Love what you hear? Be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, and even our D&D adventure. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Spartan 117. Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And as always, before we get into the topic at hand, let's go over some current events. Some might say the appetizer. I'm starting that now. (laughs) A year and a half in, we're going to call this the appetizer. (laughs) We're going to get to the meat and potatoes. We're still learning as we go. But yeah, so as far as salads go, let's talk about what we got going on. I would say one of our, our, our two of our biggest contentious pieces of news is one, we have our Halo 4 flights open. So I know in our last episode we talked about them not being 100% on when they were going to get that pushback in there. But now we've got that rolling in. I know mm-hmm. we've talked to like our patrons, people on social, saying, I got in, I got in. Like I'm, I'm playing it. It's beautiful. Love the armor. Things like that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really, our, I guess, our, uh, our, our good news. Our good news. And our, our somewhat mixed, muddied bad news is about Halo Infinite. Yeah, there's these issues with the armor coding, and some won't theoretically be available at launch, and you might they're behind a paywall, or you're just going to have to grind super hard for mm-hmm. them. And it's just a controversy right now that, you know, uh, 343 Industries has posted about it uh, on their blog, and it's really just kind of one of those things where it's like we just need to kind of sit back, at least like Alex and I are sitting back and kind of just seeing what unfolds, because there's a possibility how they're going to tackle this is going to change based on fan feedback. Yeah, and we don't really know anything for sure right now. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, we know the marketing. <laughs> if, you're, if you're loving your Oreos and your Taco Bell and Mountain Dew and Monster, you know what's going on in the Halo universe. Yeah, just because, uh, you know, as we've discussed, chances are marketing contracts are there, so they just need to go through them mm-hmm. and, and hopefully uh, re-sign a few. Because imagine it's like we have all this talk bell and monster and then six months from now it's just dead. And I think they will because I know that Taco Bell is a huge gaming partner when it comes to especially for console launches, for giving away consoles, things like that. So we'll see it coming up. And then to kind of end it on some you know fun little news, I forget uh, who they gave it to, but Xbox and Microsoft playing in the memes of the new Xbox looking like a fridge delivered a fridge. So there's a full working... Xbox that is just a giant fridge, and I love it. 
<laughs> Microsoft is doing well with that. Mm-hmm. We're past the appetizer. We're hungry. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of today's topic. We are covering Halo 5, and today this will be part one of our two-part series covering the game itself. Mm-hmm. Halo 5 Guardians is the second original title in the Reclaimer saga developed by 343 Industries. The game takes place eight months after the events of Halo 4, following both Master Chief and Spartan Locke. The game was released October 27th, 2015, and would be the first Halo game to be originally released on the Xbox One. Though rumored to require 60 gigabytes of hard drive space, the game would release at 46.19 gigabytes with a 9 gigabyte day one patch. Halo 5 would receive more than 10 DLC updates that included new maps, game types, weapons, armors, vehicles, stances, emblems, and customizable skins. Now let's talk about the early stages of development. We're going to start out with a quote from the great and legendary Frank O'Connor. Quote, The Chief is the core hero in the story, without a doubt. Forget how long you played as each character or whatever. It's really about contextualizing the Chief. As much as Locke's an important character in the universe himself, he's also going to be useful cipher for you to explore Master Chief's character from an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and to really jump into this, 343 did struggle with player retention in Halo 4. Regardless of how successful the game was, fans saw 343 Industries push back some core Halo traits. You know, we talked about this before, where the OG Halo 4 was like, hey, that's like Halo. And they went, never mind, let's yeah, scrap it out. Exactly. And so the drop-off surprised, surprisingly surprised 343 Industries. Halo 5 needed to be different. Halo 4 was also met with mixed reviews from the community itself. This was the chance for 343 Industries to really, you know, redeem themselves in their eyes, and I think in fans' eyes as well, mm-hmm. as, okay, we need to, we we came out with kind of this, like, weird softball Halo 4 game. We need to, like, pack punches in this new one mm-hmm. to really get people on track. But 343 Industries didn't want to make a Halo game that felt comfortable. You know, they wanted to take risks, and they really needed to. Pre-production of the game would heavily focus on figuring out how to implement the new Spartan abilities for the game and how they would work in multiplayer. They also wanted Halo 5 to let fantasies of what it means to truly be a Spartan play out. Around the end of development for Halo 4, studio head Bonnie Ross had asked Josh Holmes, which was the Halo 4 creative director at the time, if he had wanted to be the creative director for Halo 5 as well. Holmes was indifferent about this since he had stepped away from Halo 4 around the end of development. When Holmes would return to develop on the next Halo title, it would be as an executive producer. So I think they really know, and we've we've seen this with, with Infinite. Mm-hmm. Creative directors, I think a lot of the brunt falls on their shoulders for this. Yes. So I think he's like, mm, I'm going to be on the sidelines, kind of just like tracking the money and see how things are going, mm-hmm. and, and we'll throw someone else in that pit. Yeah, and, he, and when it came to that, he had this to say, quote, I took a break at the end of four, then wrote kind of an overarching creative brief for some things that I think we'd want to go after as a team for next-gen gaming. That became a kind of high-level framework for the team to then ideate against. So Holmes had actually been talking to Tim Longo in 2012 about being the creative director for the next Halo game. Longo would come in as Halo 5's creative director four months into pre-production. Holmes would then focus more on managerial roles at 343 Industries. By the time Longo had joined, 343 Industries was already throwing around the idea of squad-based play. Mm -hmm. They were also talking about expanding Chief's story, but not through the Master Chief himself. 
343 Industries head Bonnie Ross also specifically wanted more women in the game, which worked perfectly for the number of characters that now needed to be in the game because they, again, they were talking about having more squad squad based gameplay. Exactly. And, you know, their easy pickings was like, okay, let's toss blue team in, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because she wanted Halo to appeal to more women. The Xbox One that they were developing the game for could also handle worlds big enough for four players on a mission at a time, which was the main reason that the squad mechanic was implemented, not only for the narrative drive, but a technological one as well. The art team would start work on Halo 5 right before Halo 4 shipped, since they had just wrapped up, basically just packed their desk up from 4 and went, okay, now on to 5. You know, they, they didn't really take a break from that. They wanted to get right into it. Yeah. In fact... In some interviews, a few months before Halo 4's launch, some 343 employees were already commenting on Halo 5. The original concepts for the game had the whole story on one planet, but this eventually turned into the game being on several planets and a ship, which would eventually cause a good amount of stress for the team. The influence to jump around planets came from Halo 2, and the influence that came from playing as different characters throughout the game actually came from Halo 3 ODST. Hell yeah. (laughs) 343 Industries actually almost didn't bring Buck back. Yeah. Yeah, it was was actually assumed that, you know, Nathan Fillion was off limits, who was the voice of Buck, because, you know, he had become, like, these pals with Bungie and was working with them on various projects. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like... Do I ask that friend? I mean, he's friends with his other friends, and I'm not really friends with them anymore. It's like we're not on talking terms. He's a, he's a working professional. If you have money and a cool project, he will join it. Exactly. I think it was a necessity to kind of tie in this idea of past characters we've seen and kind of loved. Yeah. To like become a Spartan and see that change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was again there was that weird tension of like, well, he's he's doing bungee stuff. We can't we can't talk to him, and you know he did start working with Bungie originally because he loved Halo. Mm -hmm. 343 Industries was growing so much for Halo 5 that they would get a second studio just to house the sheer amount of employees that they would hire for Halo 5 before finally moving into the new studio entirely. When it came time to finally present what was going to be Halo 5 to the rest of 343 Industries, Josh Holmes would jokingly tell the team, quote, you're all going to say, what are you guys doing to Halo? But that's the point. It's important that people don't go, oh, yeah, it's just another Halo game. We need people to reinterpret what Halo is. So even 343 was telling 343, we're doing something different. Mm-hmm. You guys may not like it. And, and you, you know, judge it how you may. It You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. At that time, you're thinking, okay, we've had what? Seven, six mainline games? Mm-hmm. You know, we need something to, like, pump it up, like, to get fans, like, jazzed about it. Mm-hmm, yeah. One of the advantages of creating Halo 5 was that 343 Industries wasn't building a studio at the same time of developing a game like they were with Halo 4. Because that was a huge point of dismay for the development. Mm-hmm. 343 Industries also wanted to transform the franchise and have players experience it differently than ever before. They wanted Halo 5 to be a story that was a culmination from the movies, books, comics, and etc. Keep in mind, in 2011, Frank O'Connor said you'll never have to read the books to understand the story. Halo 5 was written as a game that would be a jumping off point for all of those stories, you know, into the next kind of series of books and Mm -hmm. comics and all that. It was meant to be as accessible as possible to hardcore fans or players who had never played a Halo title before. 
Mm-hmm. And as is Halo tradition, the engine for the game was rebuilt from the ground up, this being the main reason why the game runs at 60 frames per second. They would still leave some fundamental elements of the engine in there. Getting the game to run at that 60 FPS was almost quadruple the work, and one of the biggest challenges for the development of the game itself. For the most part, the game runs at 1080p, but when the going gets rough on the game's engine, the resolution might decline slightly to keep up with the 60 frames per second. The Havoc engine was also implemented into the game in order to further drive AI behavior. And, and really what that Havoc engine does is it takes off from, from your, your core engine, it takes off a lot of that brain power mm-hmm. that has to kind of like deal with, okay, we got to process you know, our frames, we got to process our enemies, our dialogue, our this, this, this. And having separate like mini engines kind of like with the Havoc in there yeah. allows just for more of that brain power to be used elsewhere and to get us, sadly, we're talking about having to get it at 1080-60p because <laughs> I am a PC superior. Um, but, but for a console to kind of work with that, it, it made sense to really bring in those assets and those big guns to make it run truly as smooth as possible. Each asset from Halo 4 also had to be rebuilt for Halo 5. Any new assets that were built or remade on the UNSC side would still try to cling to that realism of the future of Halo and its technology. By this point in the Halo timeline, translators for the Covenant dialect were starting to be available to the UNSC, so now players could hear grunts screaming in terror as they run away. Because remember, by the end of Halo 3, we could understand the Covenant. Halo 4 starts, we can't understand them now, so now it's kind of back to, okay, we they're speaking... English, essentially. Mm -hmm. The new audio for the game would have to be recorded organically, meaning the sound of the bubbling water came from natural hot springs in Iceland, or a falling piece of metal during gameplay would have to be recreated by throwing wrenches off of a crane onto the cement. The sounds of the guns in the game were also recorded organically. To recreate the sounds of bullets hitting or ricocheting from far away, the audio team would sit behind a cliff with their microphones while sniper rifle sat 1,000 feet away and shot near their location, which is sounds terrifying, actually. <laughs> and and to, to tangent a little bit, this is if I had to redo my career and I had like cat, cat of nine lives, mm-hmm. I would want to just be like an audio folly engineer. It's so fascinating. And just create stuff like this. I love it, but continue. Mm-hmm. They would even contact police to help shut down a small street so the team could shoot blanks down the road to record how the weapons sounded near buildings. Different locations were used to create a library of different weapon sounds, allowing the team to change how the weapon sounded according to where they were shot in the game, whether it be in space, a small room, or outside, which I love. It's like something you don't think about. You just get, uh, typically you'd think, you just get a, a sound of a gunshot and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is also in the time where I think just so much more of that folly work was being put into games, especially. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of always had this idea in Hollywood of it and, and making it, but now having the budget to really not only put it towards the music, mm-hmm. but the sound design itself, I, I think, really changes that landscape. Yeah. Teammate callouts during firefights were also added to recreate the sounds of fighting. Mm-hmm. This meant voice actors had to have their lines heard at different distances to have realistic sonic space on the battlefield. The sounds of Halo 5 needed to be dramatic yet believable. Mm-hmm. Halo 5 was being developed for the Xbox One, which some 343 Industries felt was a challenge while others saw opportunity. The Xbox One allowed 343 to expand upon the Halo universe in ways that were hard to imagine before. Developers working on Halo 5 wanted the campaign to be filled with worlds and battles on a more epic scale, 
including larger missions with more enemies and larger firefights, while also bringing enhanced immersive audio and sound to the player at that consistent 60 frames per second. These all had to be done to accommodate the idea of eight mainline players. And I mean, those were the two goals. It was making a game around eight players in 60 frames per second. That was one of the biggest, I think, things that you heard in marketing. It's mm-hmm. just very first thing. Like, so what's Halo 5 about? They're like, it's about 60 frames per second. <laughs> yes. And we want eight characters that are going to be there. <laughs> they all move 60 <laughs> frames per second and they eat Taco Bell. <laughs> exactly. Do the do and ring that bell. Spartan abilities were also a hot topic for Halo 5's development. Sandbox design lead Chris King would often bring up Batman as a model for what the Spartan should be. Specifically, Christopher Nolan's Batman. The, the Batman, some might say. I agree. They also implemented these Spartan abilities in order to enforce the melee portion of the Golden Triangle of gameplay, which is, we haven't heard Golden Triangle for a minute. Listen, if you're a fireman player, you know about that triangle. <laughs> uh, so let's move on. Let's move on to kind of, of maybe getting this game into player hands, seeing how it's working. The beta. Mm-hmm. Halo 4, as we said, did not have a multiplayer beta. This was due to the fact that 343 Industries just assumed everyone would hate it and wanted them to change it in a more classic style. Not a great way to start out your first full game as a studio. (laughs) But after Halo 4's multiplayer was met with little positive feedback, they knew that Halo 5's multiplayer needed a beta. Also, after the rough MCC launch, Bonnie Ross would state that they will never, 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 never release another game without fans being able to see a beta beforehand. Yeah, we even saw Halo Wars 2 beta at this point. Like, So maybe we'll get a Halo Infinite one? Uh, I don't know. Who knows? The multiplayer beta would be started earlier in the year than even like some of the news and nuances of Halo 4 that we mm-hmm. saw previously because they wanted to make sure that there was enough time that they could get it in, get players to be able to play, and, and get some aspects of it to get that feedback to return to the development team so they could fix bugs and, and hear what fans wanted and you know their likes and dislikes. Basically the Santa, some might say, of the gaming <laughs> universe. <laughs> the backlash from Halo MCC's release also added to the need for flawless multiplayer the first time around, adding a lot of internal testing and high-volume gameplay on the dedicated servers. Some changes included increased base movement speed and strafe acceleration, decreased top sprint speed, and reduced automatic weapon effectiveness in Smart Link mode. It also announced in the beta that Halo 5 would return to Halo's eSports roots with a focus on arena gameplay and the establishment of the Halo World Championship, the HWC. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when it came to this, Josh Holmes said this to say, quote, It was a treasure trove of data that we were able to use to not only improve core gameplay aspects, but also our network performance as well. We continue to do extensive testing internally and externally to ensure this is the best experience at launch possible. In February, we announced several changes based off of this feedback. Mm -hmm. The beta was the earliest beta ever in Halo's history in terms of beta launch to the uh, initial release date. Official stats from the multiplayer beta would show over 181 million kills, over 6 billion shots fired, Mm -hmm. over 20 million matches, and then, you know, upward of over 2 million hours played. And honestly, one of my favorites, 207 days worth of players carrying 
the battle rifle, the uh, BR. Such a weird... The true weapon. <laughs> it's just such a weird little thing of data. They're like, oh, by the way, over 207 days, people have carried this gun. Yeah, and, and to kind of wrap this up for you, we had like 6.6 6 million kills for the sniper rifle, which was the most kills from a single weapon. Which is weird. I wouldn't expect that. I wouldn't either, but I would say that the one stat that's, I think, impressive, interesting, I guess you'd say, overall, mm-hmm. is only one player was able to earn a Killpocalypse medal. So all the other Halo 5 beta players just sucked. They were using the sniper rifle. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, I did play that beta for, I'm pretty sure I did, and I said, I've said it before, I just got swamped very quickly, and I was mm-hmm. like, huh. Especially when it's like a non-ranked based thing, and it's just kind of everybody <laughs> yeah. in there playing. 343 Industries would look through players' feedback from the beta, and some main points that 343 Industries would address were... Increase base speed, increase strafe acceleration, reduce top sprint speed, modify ground pound controls to prevent conflicts with crouch jumping, and general tuning and bug fixes for Spartan abilities. Mm -hmm. They would also make some changes to the weapons, such as for the sniper rifle, improve the scoping experience to make it less quote-unquote clunky and kind of faster to quick scope, basically. Even though everyone was already using it. Hey, they're dominant. (laughs) They need more kills. Uh, The Deemer or the DMR, adjust the position of the scope to improve visibility, bring back the Spanker rocket launcher as a legendary version of it, so mm-hmm. so having varieties, which we'll get to talk about, reduce bonuses for automatic weapons, remove grenade detonation in midair, and ability to turn on and off the vibration of weapons, like that feedback that you get from like mm-hmm. firing a gun, and finally just general bug tuning and fixes for the weapons themselves. Oh, yeah. Now let's move on to the later stages of development. And I want to start this off with a quote from the lead writer, Brian Reed. Mm -hmm. Quote, we spent a lot of time brainstorming about what might make the chief go rogue. What would he do and how would that change still fit with his character? And I hope the fans are going to be really into it. Yep. Yep. They totally. They played it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, once again, hindsight's 2020. I know players, I think one of the bigger things they had an issue with with campaign wasn't necessarily the, the gunplay or, you know, some of the aspects of it, even even the crewing. But I think it's a little bit of that story and why mm-hmm. Chief has, like, like, fetishizes his AI, I guess you would say. Yeah, but l- let's talk about some, you know, some theories mm-hmm. out there and, and some of the original concepts. So there was a lot of speculation about the original story of Halo 5. Though 343 Industries has never confirmed that Halo 5 was intended to be a mainline Halo game, an overwhelming amount of evidence says otherwise. And 343 Industry employees has told some community members in the past that the game was going to be a spinoff game centered around Agent Locke. Mm-hmm. At one point in development, the game went from a spinoff game to a mainline Halo title, which might explain the abrupt plot and gameplay elements that were far from the Halo norm and supposedly went through an entire rewrite, cutting open world elements and collecting clues like Halo 3 ODST. In February 2020, Halo 5 concept art would be released, showing one of the original directions of the game. The didact would have been a key player in the game, albeit a broken down version of his former glory. The Covenant would have been like morphed together with their Promethean comrades. Interesting. Becoming these cyborg, you know, hybrids of Forerunner technology. Some leaked UI concept art would also suggest that Halsey, in fact, was going to be the main baddie of Halo 5, with Cortana originally going to stay 
dead, but Microsoft's marketing team felt that they needed to bring her back. I mean, I, I could definitely see the reason to bring Cortana back. And mm-hmm. uh, don't get me wrong, out of Halo 5, I do like the story or idea of the created mm-hmm. and, and kind of Cortana being this AI that is somewhat beating rampancy, but like feeding into it at the same time to like live forever. Um, yeah, it's like she swallowed rampancy to live forever. So to live forever, she had to be crazy. Yeah, it's like become rampant, basically. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, and I, I definitely like that. But, you know, as we saw in, you know, like uh, escalation and things along those lines of seeing like, you know, Halsey and that becoming pretty much rampant. I guess mm-hmm. you would say, yeah, I, I, that would even be a cool bad guy to deal with, you know, that that has this this intelligence and kind of moral ambiguity around everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 to this day, though, the original version of what became Halo 5 has yet to be confirmed. It doesn't help that during the development of Halo 5, the lead writer, Christopher Schlerf, left 343 Industries and would be replaced, as we said, with Brian Reed, strengthening those theories. There's also a video of Brian Reed discussing some of the original plot points of Halo 5's story that have since been taken down. Uh So if you're not already donning those tinfoil hats, be making them or be taking them out of the closet (laughs) because this is where we are. 343 Industries would change the classic art style of Halo even further in Halo 5. With Halo 4, it was assumed that what stayed the same for Bungie-era Halo was due to the fact that they didn't have the time to change literally everything. Mm -hmm. Thus using Reach's assets to go off of. Yeah, like the the Covenant, for the most part, a lot of the Covenant vehicles are pretty identical to like what they looked like in Reach mm-hmm. compared to some other things. And yeah, it's never been stated, but a lot of people were like, they probably ran out of time, so they just kind of rezzed up those old ones. Because then you think in Halo 5, it's night and day what all those vehicles look like. Exactly. And, and we've gotten... Some excuses of it of like, oh, but, you know, there's different Covenant. Like, there's different mm-hmm. aspects of the Covenant. There's different factions. So, you know, the ones on Reach, those were the same ones that were using this and, like, didn't get an upgrade. So you kind of hear a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. The new art style, though, that 343 had kind of developed has been a hot topic for debate within the Halo community itself on whether or not 343 Industries should have changed the art style so drastically or really at all. Nah. Three four three industries would go through an immense amount of crunch time to develop Halo Five, when in reality they shouldn't have. Since the studio swore to reduce crunch time after Halo Four's launch, mm-hmm. due to the supposed rewrites of the game, this was more than likely a huge indicator as to why the studio crunched to the very end of Halo Five's development. Most developers at 343 Industries were not happy about this whatsoever. And from this, it's one of the main reasons why Halo Infinite has taken upward of six years now to develop. Mm-hmm. So moving on from that, you know, let's touch on some of... So, just... so, so tinfoil hats, put them back in the closet for now. We're out of here. Mm-hmm. Now we're just going to talk about some mocap. 343 Industries would spend four days recording mo- motion capture for the game. It was their biggest mocap project yet, with a sheer amount of cutscenes in action just going on in just this one game. Mm-hmm. The mocap was recorded at WB Studios in Burbank, California, using Optic Trek motion capture systems with 50 prime 41 cameras as stated in the halo 2 anniversary episode many fans were expecting halo 5 to release in 2014 they would get the bad news from none other than master chief himself 
In an interview with GameZone, when asked about Halo 5's release in 2014, he would state, quote, I think you may be ahead of yourselves on Halo 5. I wouldn't expect anything until 2015. What you can look forward to this year is an anniversary edition of Halo 2, which we already talked about in our Halo 2 anniversary episode when, Mr. <laughs> when Steve Downs was like, yeah, this is happening. Oh, wait, we haven't told the public that yet? Never mind. That was he literally said that was just me speculating on some rumors I read online. Don't act like you've ever been on a forum, Steve. Or Downs. use the internet. <laughs> you barely use a controller. I, I love Steve Downs, but you didn't fool us on that one. <laughs> Frank O'Connor would go on to explain to fans why Halo Five is taking three years to develop because of the new engine that they had to make for the game itself was really the biggest reason. Mm-hmm. As I said. Squad gameplay, 60 frames per second. That was all you basically heard for a while. Yep. May 14, 2014, 343 Industries would reveal the first look at concept art for the game. And this would be the concept art of the Zenghili homeworld, Zenghelios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really the first... I think it is really the first look we're truly getting at a Covenant homeworld. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Beyond just like those little, like beyond legends, but yes, legends yes. was interpretations of it, so not official. Exactly. I mean, because I mean, you look at legends. I mean, we're getting basically Japanese era <laughs> Sanghelios, and <laughs> yeah. so it's more than like you said, interpretation. And we obviously get uh, uh, text visuals through books and things like this. But this is the first like mm-hmm. quote unquote official look of playable homeworld that we're getting an idea of. Months after the multiplayer beta was over, a leak consisting of 25 minutes of music and screenshots of multiplayer menus was discovered when multiplayer beta players who still had the program installed in their hard drive opened it up. A spokesperson for 343 confirmed the leak, stating, quote, The beta was still receiving updates months after it closed, allowing users with the beta still installed to see the accidentally leaked content. What? Why are they updating the beta? I assume that they were, like, client-siding it to, like, play around with some stuff, but, like, Mm -hmm. didn't have an interior one? I'm not really sure. (laughs) But months later, Late Night Gaming would post a couple videos covering what appeared to be story leaks of Halo 5. But the videos have since been taken down since it was learned later on that the leaks themselves were false. Nonetheless, these leaks weren't ideal for 3 for 3 Industries since they felt it might hurt the game's overall sales. Yeah, because remember in Halo 4, granted this is a lot earlier, there were leaks for Halo 4 and they were like, we're not worried about it. Like, mm-hmm. And overall, it didn't hurt the game. Now we're seeing some even false leaks and they're just like, uh-oh. Yeah, and, and that's it. I mean, uh, fans, once again, if you'd come off hot, Cole's still on fire from Halo 4, I think it would have been okay. To kind of be able to squell those, to deal with those. I mean, look at look at what they're trying to do with Halo 5 damage control, even compared mm-hmm. to current day infinite control. I think they're handling it much better with infinite. Yes. And pushing it into like meme territory or playing it off or being honest with the community. Yeah. With, with this, they're honest to a point, but it was still that button up corporate aspect of it. Yeah. And I think they've learned now you gotta like get down to player level and like be like, oops. <laughs> and that, that's about it. Uh, but moving on, many fans expected split screen to be brought back with the Xbox One. But as franchise creative director Josh Holmes said, quote, more people than ever are gaming online, making local multiplayer less of a selling point. This also meant the classic game mode Firefight would not be included as well. No! With the Halo 4 game mode Spartan Ops not seeing the success that they wanted. Because mm-hmm. that was... 
an interpretation of Firefight, essentially. Mm-hmm. To help make up for these two missing components, Halo 5 would be the first Halo game with a co-op campaign that was built around teamwork. The players would play as a squad of Spartans, with commands being given by pressing up on the D-pad while playing alone. Three friends could also join instead to help promote replayability. I never used those commands. I think you just forget that they're there. I used them on occasion. Like, if I... If I was playing a rough area and wanted my Spartans just to die elsewhere so I could run the other way. <laughs> That's pretty much what I used it for. With split screen missing, this meant playing co-op over Xbox Live. In an interview with Game Informer, Josh Holmes stated that all one would need is an Xbox Live Silver account to play co-op Halo 5. A few days later, though, he had to clarify with fans that you actually needed an Xbox Gold account. Mm-hmm. Halo 5 would, you know, to combat you know fans being upset about this, it would come with a 14-day Xbox Live Gold trial, though. Man, for my OG players... Going back to the Xbox 360 and Xbox, getting that uh, that quality two months of free Xbox Live, <laughs> that's what we need here. I think any good gamer had a stack of two to 14-day trials, because I know I knew a guy who almost never paid for it. He would just always like be like, you got an extra one? Cool, I got a week. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. He is a forager. <laughs> when it came to the personalities of Blue Team, Frank O'Connor would state in an interview after the release of Halo 5 that their personalities are rather not interesting, but this was on purpose to show the contrast from the chatty Team Osiris. The main reason that 343 Industries wanted to add so many new characters was to really enforce that squad gameplay, as we had said before. Mm -hmm. This would lead to one of the biggest casts in a Halo game to date, with Frank O'Connor stating, quote, And in some ways, I'm reminded of Return of the Jedi, where you have these perspectives where you switch between places and people. And each set of people has a specific task in a specific place. Once again, Frank O'Connor still stays with, we are the Lord of the Rings, the Star Wars, you know, we're the the big guys here. You know, this game is a lot like one of the biggest sci-fi movies of all time. And it's like, sure, sure, buddy. Yeah, yeah, so, so... Halo 5 is based off of uh, Return of the Jedi, um, but Return of the Jedi is pretty much based off Halo 5. It's pretty much one and the same. (laughs) George Lucas was thinking about these futuristic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. space opera shooters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the seventh iteration of it is really what he was was (laughs) aiming for. In an interview with former Spartan Locke actor Mike Coulter, he would state that Locke is the primary character of Halo 5. A few days later, Microsoft would issue their own statement that he is a primary character, but he is not the primary Mm -hmm. character. Frank O'Connor would also say on NeoGAF that Master Chief is still the main character in Hero. O'Connor would also state in an interview with GamesRadar that uh, Locke is not Chief's equal. So that's a lie. All of this is kind of a lie. I'm going to be honest. You know it too, so don't come at me. That was all a, a freaking lie that was just said Yeah, from and, Frank O'Connor. Yeah, and I guess, too, it depends on his interpretation of it and kind of interpretations that we see. Because once again, like you said, with this rewrite, everyone kind of has, I think, their own idea mm-hmm. of what this game's going to be. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he is still the main character. We definitely see that they are equal in some points. Mm-hmm. Um, but however, let's move on. Mike Coulter played Locke in Nightfall and in the Halo 2A Terminals. But after landing a role for Marvel's Luke Cage, he would not return to Halo for the voice acting for Halo 5. He did record the mocap for the project, though. He was then replaced by Ika Amati, 
who in his own right is a huge Halo fan and who had played all the games and read a good amount of the books before you know ever even thinking about getting into the role. Mm-hmm. Nathan Fillion would also return to the franchise for the first time in five years as Buck, Keith David returning once again as the Arbiter, and Jen Taylor as the voice actress for Cortana. The cast would also include Laura Bailey as Olympia Vale, another huge Halo fan, Travis William as Spartan Fred, Cynthia K. McWilliams as Spartan Tanaka, Michelle Lukes as Spartan Kelly, and Britt Barron as Spartan Linda. 343 Industries wanted to continue what they did in Halo 4 and let a lot of the voice actors record together in the same room at the same time. Steve Downs even did a little bit of mocap for the game. I'm sure he did. <laughs> Good old Steve. And Keith David and Steve Downs also finally met after recording separately all those years in 2015. That's they, so crazy. They finally come together. That's, I didn't even, like, you don't think about it, but yeah, like back in the Bungie era days, uh, they were always recording alone. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes sense that they, they, you know, never met. Halo 5 needed the biggest audience for any Halo game. Thus, the game's rating would go from M for mature to T for teen rating. To accomplish this, 343 Industries would tone down what little blood and gore there would be in the game. Now there is only, quote, occasional blood splatter effects, according to the ESRB. Granted, 343 Industries and Microsoft have declined that they pushed for the change of the rating, though Xbox executive Aaron Greenberg would state that this would help sales, and he would comment how it did work for Destiny. Mm-hmm. So moving on from that, just you know, some quick little tidbits. The cover art for Halo 5 would officially be revealed April 28th, 2015, revealing new Spartans in the game. And after three years of development with 350 employees on October 8th, 2015, the game would go gold and be sent off to be mass produced for millions of eager fans. The game would come with a multiplayer update upon launch. Yep. And finally, 343 Industries has no plans for an episodic or narrative DLC, which is something I think fans were kind of expecting at this point because we've never really gotten that. So they're like, why not? And then 343 is like, nah. Especially in the era of it and Mm -hmm. kind of the era of the episodic nature of Spartan Ops. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of like, are we getting anything like that? Is there going to be an update to our knowledge on this base? Who knows? And they're um, like, no, son. Yeah. And to wrap it up, a little bit of trivia, little tidbits. Tim Longo would inform fans during development that Master Chief's face in Halo 5 won't be revealed. So, spoiler, not there. Yeah. And finally, Halo 5's campaign would also be nearly double the length of Halo 4's with 15 total missions. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what's new. Mm-hmm. What has really come forth from Halo 4 that we have never seen before? So we do have the, the Spartan abilities like Ground Pound, Clambering thrusters and you know the spartan charge along with you know having infinite sprint yes and this was actually going to originally be in halo 4 but you know just for whatever reason they decided not to so when the player sprints in halo 5 their shields won't recharge though until they stop because that makes sense (laughs) that makes sense that you have this really high technical armor but running Stops a battery from recharging. <laughs> That's cool. But it, I get it. It makes sense in gameplay aspects because you yes. don't want to be like... If get, for balance. It's balance. I, I totally understand it. Lore-wise, makes no sense. <laughs> but, but balance-wise, 100% sense because you don't want like a firefight to start and then just like run off and have it recharge as you're going because then it just... Like I said, it feels imbalanced and it feels like 
you have no risk to get in a firefight mm-hmm. at that point. Uh, we also get the smart scope, so every weapon has a zoom. So that does build into the lore aspect that I do like, of that mm-hmm. the helmets do have HUD displays for those weapons, so you still have that smart scope, which I think is a very, very welcomed aspect to the game. I know, to me, it's an amazing quality of life aspect of just being able to, like, even just to see stuff further away. Mm -hmm. And only being able to do that with certain weapons in older games definitely brings a welcome change aspect to it. Mm -hmm. But we do have the Kraken as well that was introduced, which is this giant, almost, like, mobile base that's supposed to be based on, like, the scarabs and the harvesters and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And uh, it does appear in that Zanghelios mission, and it's, it's just the same thing. You go in there... You destroy it and you get out. Yeah, and, and let's jump over to some more of the weapons or weapon interactions. So one thing that they brought back from like a call out to like CE was weapons now have their own physics on the ground. So if you mm-hmm. throw a grenade and it'll it'll fire the base of those weapons in the ground towards you or away from you, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, allowing for me to be a 360 no scope player um, <laughs> as I am. Uh, so they had that. We also get the Hydra launcher. We get a couple new rocket launcher variants coming out with that. And one thing that we get that I really think is only it's only in there really for that squad based aspect is reviving. Mm-hmm. So you have that ability to go over to your teammate, which you know thousands of games have already done at this point, but Halo's finally like let's do it, and you can pick up your teammates. Yeah, you also had like the Artemis tracking system, uh, as well as you had the uh, for for a new vehicle you had the Forerunner Phaeton, uh, which is in my opinion something I always avoided. Because the just controlling that thing was always kind of silly. Yeah, I mean it was cool there, and, and it's something. I'll, I'll give it's, it. It's, it's, it's something. I'll it's give them something. That. It's added in there. Um, and moving back to the weapons as well, we've got the plasma caster, which I think is actually a pretty fun gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that basically, if you hold down the trigger further, you can fire plasma grenades. Fire more of them, mm-hmm. um, which I think is pretty cool. The prophet's bane. The prophet's yeah, which was which was a the big profits <laughs> which was a big deal because we we got a new energy sword which we had never gotten before. Yes, and 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 to kind of wrap up this weapon section, so we don't have to kind of jump through this because if you played Halo Five, you know one of the major aspects that has been added into this is one the most weapons thus far we've seen in any Halo game, mm-hmm. along with variants, and these variants play heavily, and we'll touch on this in our next episode play heavily in multiplayer. Yes. You know, with, with the aspects of, you know, getting quote-unquote tickets, I guess you would say, or, mm-hmm. or, or, or consumables, of being able to use those weapons. Like OG, Halo 2, BR, Combat Evolved Pistol, or, or, yes. or, you know, even like lore variants of certain weapons that are either more mm-hmm. powerful, ammo capacities, things like that. We'll definitely touch on that, but that'll kind of wrap up the idea of they've really, really packed weapons into this game Mm -hmm. and and that's that's if if you want to give them you know a nod a thumbs up or anything for halo 5 it definitely is that and the feeling that there is just so many aspects and so many ways to use them Mm -hmm. that we will touch on later yep it definitely makes fiesta never dull yes (laughs) but yeah we also have you know some new enemies as well so we have the promethean soldiers Mm -hmm. so at least we're we're having some variation of Guys that look more forerunner-ish, I guess. It's just, you know, uh, again, a robotic soldier. But we also have probably the most annoying thing on Earth, which is the Warden Eternal. Mm -hmm. So he's this giant, uh, let's say 12-foot, 15-foot forerunner commander-esque person. 
Uh, and he shows up every 10 minutes in the game. <laughs> but I love we also have seat swap. Yeah, I was about to say, that, that is the most important thing right there. <laughs> because, I mean, you know, if, if any of you uh, unfortunately had to sit through our eight hours of CE Legendary, mm-hmm. you know seat swap would have been a great thing at times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it cost us uh, a, a few few minutes on our speed run. Here yeah, yeah. There. I mean, we, we, we definitely we definitely beat the record, but that did it did cost us um, some, some, some time, um, <laughs> but, but it's there. <laughs> But we also have uh, uh, the Grunt Goblin that appears more in Warzone as well, which is basically a Grunt mech suit, mm-hmm. which is just bizarre, but I, I love it. And uh, we also have the Wasp as well, which is a new UNSC vehicle as well, air vehicle. And I think one of the things that they tried to bring back or bring to Halo from other games is weapon attachments. Yes. And these weapon attachments were kind of selected as like – modifiers to a certain weapon that you're doing Mm -hmm. um, that either increase scoping accuracy, magazine capacity, change outs, knockback, things like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. you had stuff like the long barrel, which I said, like, increases effective range, the silencer, which reduces visibility on enemies' motion trackers. So I think it's a lot of stuff that they tried to bring in that fans wanted, and Mm -hmm. they worked in some aspects, um, like you said, Warzone, like it definitely works there pretty well for the the enhanced ammo capacity, long range. Yes. Um, even have like that energy bayonet to do a little bit more melee damage. So once again, this is also an aspect I appreciate with Halo Five, and I mm-hmm. think, in my opinion, they implemented weapons very, very well in this game. Yeah, and and tried something new that I think, for me and a lot of fans I've talked to, a- appreciate in a way with some tweaks that they want. But I, yeah. I think the overall implementation of these aspects of it definitely helped out in the multiplayer vision of it. Yeah. But now that we have, you know, kind of a quick overview of what is new in this game, let's talk about the marketing, mm-hmm. a very hot topic for this game. So without a doubt, Halo 5's marketing missed the mark by miles. The marketing became too fixated on the tagline, quote, hunt the truth, and thus the game overall suffered because of it. IGN would outright state in an article that the marketing lied to you. And and to clarify, the marketing is fantastic. Yes. It's beautiful. It's well done. It tells an amazing story, and it's interesting. But it markets the wrong product. Yeah, it markets a completely different game. So so we want to state that off by the marketing is done very well. Mm Mm-hmm. In terms of visual, storytelling, all those aspects. As far as selling Halo 5 the game, like Jesse said, and even with IGN, it sold you a completely different product. Yes. So we'll touch on that as we go. Mm-hmm. But let's start off with the teaser trailer. Axis Animation would create a teaser trailer for things to come in the Halo franchise. The trailer would show Master Chief wandering through the desert with a robe and what appears to be him searching for Cortana. A guardian appears before him, and then it ends. Mm-hmm. Which I will say, I when I first saw this, I was that was the first like Halo Five hype that really just got me going. I mean, it was the first yeah, Halo Five hype, but, but, but it hits hard. Yes, because it's like other than him wearing a robe, I don't know why he's wearing a robe, but just like still seeing that, you're like, what is this machine? Why is he out here searching alone? Oh my, like what? It gives me like. PlayStation exclusive vibes, if that makes a sense, yes, like Nathan yes, Drake, like yes. like it gives me that aspect of it of um, almost Tomb Raider things, like like, like mm-hmm. he's exploring for this, he's a lone soldier, you know, it awakens that it's like be awesome, like pull out that AR on his back, like fire it, yes. try and get through it, you know, or oh, but it's an illusion, like it would be really cool if those were included mm-hmm. because, like you said, 
the hype like immediately went from like little blurbles to like skyrocket. Exactly. When the trailer debuted, it simply ended with Halo. There was no number afterwards. Xbox president Phil Spencer would state that this wasn't a game trailer at all, rather just a trailer for the franchise. He would also confirm that a new Halo game was indeed in development. The original trailer, in fact, did have Halo 5 on it, not just Halo. So there was an original trailer that leaked, I think, from Axis from Axis yeah. Animation itself that did have Halo 5. So with the teaser trailer alone, we're already seeing some ambiguous things come from it. Mm-hmm. And then we move on to Halo The Journey. 343 Industries would create a multimedia series that included games, novels, comic books, live action, animated series, and promotional materials that ran from 2013 until the release of Halo 5. The Journey refers to Chief's personal journey after Halo 4, as well as other major characters of Halo 5. Mm-hmm. And here you are, in order of release, to get an idea of, once again, you don't need books or comics to know what's going on, but here's the list of them. <laughs> <laughs> so in order of release, we have Halo Escalation, a comic book series, late 2013. Halo MCC, you know, those little tidbits that were put in with Locke mm-hmm. in there, late 2014. Halo Nightfall, which is a digital live action series, 2014. Halo New Blood, book, Hunt the Truth, which is a podcast in early 2015. Halo Hunters in the Dark, which is a book in about mid-2015. Halo Last Light, book, late 2015. Halo The Fall of Reach, an animated series of late 2015. And finally, Halo 5 of late 2015. A little trivia on that. Halo the television series unannounced for fall of 2015 to release around the same time as Halo 5 was there to kind of help build up the hype and build up the game. After being indefinitely delayed, until recently, it is still unknown if the planned television series is considered part of the journey. So it, it was always still kind of like, oh, it's in the air, maybe. Yeah, and I think it's 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 one of those things that's unconfirmed, but literally everyone's like, yeah, uh, 343 has definitely turned their ideas that they had for the franchise from Halo 4 and 5 just upside down on its head. We've mm-hmm. seen that very much so. Let's quickly touch on the Hunt the Truth podcast. So Hunt the Truth is an episodic podcast that does have two seasons, and it starts with Ben Giroux, who who's supposed to basically write this puff piece about the Master Chief. Remember, Ben Giroux was in the Halo graphic novel. He was that Oni agent who was who was a P, he did PR for them. Mm-hmm. And so you know the first look that anyone would have of Hunt the Truth was through the Hunt the Truth Tumblr account. Just so you all know how old this episode is. And it was set up like a journalist blog. Eventually, the world would listen to both seasons of Hunt the Truth. You know, they were released, again, uh, episodic through two seasons. Yeah, and really what it did was it took him, like you said, this is kind of like fluff piece of just kind of getting a a PR piece out there about Master Mm -hmm. Chief. Really started to get on this deep dive through Oni. And this, like, Oni rabbit hole that he, like, fell down, basically. and, And it starts to give more aspects of the universe and like you said kind of between four and five of really some stuff we might we might not know exactly and it was a rather successful podcast because it would make its way to the top of the itunes you know podcast charts with over 6.7 million listeners Mm -hmm. and i will say I, i recommend the first season for sure second season's kind of whatever first season for sure is great yeah, and it, and it really brings to life Halo in a new medium. And mm-hmm. I think they did it expertly, I would say, you know, to, to just really create... Because I love 
stories like in podcast form like that. And it's, it's so great. It's just so well done. So like Jesse said, definitely check it out. You know, whether you want to listen to it for marketing or lore or just to have mm-hmm. another piece of podcast to listen to, you know, we are number one podcast. But if you are to listen to something else, you know, definitely check that out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we also had a launch trailer that would advertise Halo 5 as, quote, one of the greatest hunts in video game history. Uh, And that was at E3 2015, where they had also announced Warzone as well. Mm -hmm. And jumping over to that E3 2015, the first mission shown was a Spartan Lock mission. Uh Uh-oh. In an interview after the premiere, when asked if the game is split evenly between Lock and Chief... Josh Holmes would simply state that the narrative is told from two perspectives. I always love that. So is this an even split? It's a split. <laughs> it's told from two sides. We know that. What's, um, what's the percentage? Yeah. There's two stories. There's two percentages. <laughs> yeah. But moving on, we jump to some live action trailers. In February 2015, a photo of Master Chief collapsed under a monument would leak online. This would lead many fans to believe a new live action trailer was coming and when asked, Microsoft would only state, quote, Xbox and Halo have a tradition of creating rich narrative events to entertain and delight fans, including award-winning campaigns such as Starry Night, Believe, Remember Reach, and more. We have no details to share at this time and look forward to exciting and surprising fans later this year as work continues on Halo 5 Guardians. I'm, I'm glad that they, they asked the PR robot when they got that. So, so are we getting anything? We've made a lot of live-action trailers. We have made these things, such as one, two, three, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I will say it's, it, is, it is probably the best PR piece they've put out in a while at this time of, like, listen, we have made some really cool campaigns for these games, like marketing campaigns. Mm-hmm. We are excited about this one. Stay tuned. Yeah, and, and this was those trailers where it kept switching perspectives. It was, like, Chief running past people dying, and then finally, like, it was either uh, uh, Locke approaching Chief who was collapsed mm-hmm. or chief approaching Locke, who has collapsed. Exactly. And and the final release date and release aspects of the game would be released through these trailers. Mm-hmm. But quickly, let's talk about Halo Nightfall. So this five-episode web series would debut on the Halo channel with the launch of the Master Chief Collection. Created by 343 Industries and Ridley Scott's Scott Free Production, this series gave fans a background about who the new protagonist of Halo 5 would be. Mm-hmm. So by the time you started playing the game, you have a better understanding of him. No, you didn't. <laughs> but... Bonnie Ross would state, quote, he is human. He's always been human. But at the end of Halo 4, he is really reflecting on who he is and why he exists. That was very deliberate because the story we want to tell on the Xbox One is really important part of the main part of the hero's journey. It's more important about what he's searching for versus what the UNSC is asking him to do. Just take a moment of silence for that, like to soak that in. They did that expertly in the books yes you know like like all of karen travis's trilogy of the kilo 5 trilogy truly explored that Mm -hmm. i don't think they did that with halo 4 and 5 you know i I get what bonnie ross is saying and i get that that's extremely hard to do in a game that's never truly been story driven in my opinion like halo's been action driven there's been a story behind it but it's never it's never been like the push for it it's 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 been like a shooter first space opera second exactly so i think it missed the mark on it we'll talk about that later but i think it missed the mark on that a little bit but mm-hmm. like i said the books and everything leading up to this i think do explore that very well yeah so i i get where she's coming from with that quote but 
it's so funny that they, they tell you don't read the extra media, but you have to, but we'll never mention it in accordance with the game. Yeah, it's 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 a topic that we could probably rant on later, but mm-hmm. moving on. But yeah, and then some other, you know, pieces of marketing that there were is you know, I had Halo Fest two thousand fourteen where, you know, there was footage of Halo 5's multiplayer beta that was released. Uh, 343 Industries also had released something called Halo 5 The Sprint, Mm -hmm. which was this series that they released through YouTube that was a very, I mean, very in-depth look of how they were even just developing the weapons and the the levels themselves. It's actually really cool. I, I do recommend it because it's always interesting, the rationale that goes behind even like... Should there be moss here? Yeah. Uh, this gun, this scope should just be a little little to the left. Five pixels like, left, dude, I think. It, it's so crazy how, like, I, I don't want to say nitpicky is a bad thing, but how nitpicky they can be about and that how, stuff. And how detailed, I guess. I guess, yes. I guess that would be a more positive mm-hmm. term. How detail-oriented they are with this. And once again, let's take a moment to, to stop real quick and say, you know, neither of us being game developers are anywhere near that, and we're nitpicking mm-hmm. a lot of this. They did put boatloads and boatloads of work and talent into this yes so so no matter kind of what our opinions are of this know that this was created by an insanely talented team mm-hmm. that put hours of quality into this and and never were trying to deliver a deceptive game or 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 trying to just put something out there they genuinely believed in this yes and you do see that like you said especially in that sp- uh, the sprint series not not the company sprint the, the sprint <laughs> is in like to the finish line, which is also not the finish line of the company, but as in the end of a race. <laughs> which is probably a company. Yeah, not, not the company of the race, but... <laughs> but yeah, and then also, you know, they did things like pre-orders, and this was the most amount of stuff that you could get f- from a pre-order, mm-hmm. depending on where you pre-ordered it from. There was dozens of pieces that, that were swapped out. It's like, well, you can get this and this from GameStop, this and this from Amazon, this and this from Walmart. But I, I think one of the big sellers was, you know, pre-ordering the game from GameStop because you got... Spartan locks armor yes. from there, but and this this one from Halo Five might be my favorite one, which there was a NASCAR sponsorship, yes. believe it or not. So in October 2015, 343 Industries would sponsor two cars in the Hollywood Casino 400 NASCAR event in Kansas City, decking them out with Halo Five advertisements. One would have Master Chief graphics, while the other would have Agent Lock graphics. Ooh, they're they're probably good they didn't crash into each other. No, they did. That was the whole point. They just Crashed into each other and exploded. Insane. <laughs> we need to sponsor a NASCAR car. <laughs> uh, Kentucky Derby first. Sponsor horse. No, I want a dog first. <laughs> uh, but then we also had like, some digital launch events. With lining up at your local GameStop, Best Buy, or Walmart at midnight for your favorite game, Microsoft would have their Halo 5 midnight release available, but it would be a digital one. Yeah, because this is the point... Everything's digital, you know. You know, it's now digital co-op. There's no more couch co-op. Yeah, so. it, it plays kind of like um, if anybody was like hearing what Jesse did the other day, uh, going to GameStop to uh, pre-order a, a digital-only game. You know, and then mistakes having, were made, and then having to go home and be like, oh, it's digital only. <laughs> That's what people were thinking here. I miss waiting in lines till midnight, going and pre-ordering the game. Listen, but six hours <laughs> leading up to the game, Microsoft would host a live stream featuring media from Halo, including a 343 Industries roundtable with Nathan Fillion. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. We also had Challenger coins. If one were to have purchased Halo 5 on a military base, 
they would receive a challenge coin. The coin was shown Locke and Chief facing off head to head. So a little, little nod to the military and mm-hmm. little, little aspects to which I like. I, I love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you know what we do love the most? We talked about at the beginning of the episode. We're talking about now. Taco Bell commercial. Mm-hmm. Three for Three Industries teamed up with Taco Bell to present this unique commercial for the $5 double chalupa box. In the middle of a battle with the Covenant, a Spartan tells the camera that his controller, Todd, can't put down his Taco Bell double chalupa long enough to actually play the game. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. It's like it breaks the fourth wall because Todd, <laughs> a player, is 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 not allowing his Spartan to play because he's eating Taco Bell. <laughs> Wow, what a marketing fiasco. <laughs> Who would have thought? So instead, Spartan is left teabagging, shooting the ground, walking to a wall. Basically, uh, it's Steve Downs playing all these characters <laughs> through this. Um, but it, it plays through this, and you know, eventually blows himself up with a plasma grenade, and it goes on to talk about the Chalupa box. But it does give you a chance to win an Xbox One X. As much as I want to make fun of this dumb marketing, I love it, and it's just so goofy, and we're getting some of that now. Um, they definitely, they definitely for, foregone have foregone the uh, <laughs> Todd, the teabagging running in the wall because the recent Halo Infinite Taco Bell commercial is done so beautifully. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's it's basically like transforming a Spartan. Uh, use, it, yeah, using your sweet grapple hook. It's like the best. I and by all means, it couldn't be live action, but it, parts of what appear to be live action Spartan outfit. I think it's the best looking one we've had. It's ever. pretty cool. It's We're, so good. Our next bonus episode is just Taco Bell commercials. <laughs> <laughs> all three of them. No, no, just all Taco Bell commercials in general. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah. So that kind of wraps up the marketing aspect of it. And to kind of recap, you know, once we said, like we said in the beginning, they did very well in this marketing campaign. I think they hit yes. the, the the nail on the head on every aspect. They touched on every facet of life, in my opinion, to get this out there. And there's still plenty of more marketing little niches that we didn't really cover in that aspect that happened in local markets or that happened in very specific aspects of it. I mean, unfortunately, sadly, no pizza. But no, no combat evolved or Halo Four pizza. No pizza, but we did get plenty of other aspects to it, mm-hmm. and it really kept fans just hyped. Yes, you know, plenty of money was spent into it. However, that hype was kind of misled into yes. a game that wasn't this kind of duel. Mm-hmm. We we're going to talk about in the campaign. We do get a a duel, if you even want to call it that, mm-hmm. or a daycare slap fight. But it was misleading. Yes. So we'll kind of we'll kind of wrap it there, and and let's kind of get into even more meat and potatoes. Some might say, like like you didn't have enough. Yes. And now we're getting into maybe like a flank steak and fries. So we're really wanting to carb you up and give you the meat sweats with this. Yes. So so flank steak and fries is now the new name. <laughs> steak steak fries, of course. Steak fries, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but however, there are some curlies that got into it on accident. Uh, that's always the worst. It's always. The- I, I Podcast like being, over. I like being consistent with my fries. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. We're on the campaign. We're on the campaign. Yes. So the the story, and we're going to go through each mission and kind of give you like you know everything, little tidbits that happen throughout. And and of course your hashtag detailed walkthrough. Of course, kind of. But during a Game Informer interview with Frank O'Connor, he spoke of Halo 5's story revolving around Chief's personal journey through loss and contextualization of his emotions as a human soldier, taking place 
Eight months after the events of Halo 4, Chief has reunited with his childhood friends on Blue Team, but since has gone AWOL. Now, Spartan Locke and the rest of Fire Team Osiris have to track them down and bring them back into the custody of the UNSC. In order to obtain help from the Arbiter and search for Blue Team, Fire Team Osiris must also help the Swords of Sanghelios in their efforts in defeating what remains of the Covenant. It's just a mission to bring back AWOL soldiers. <laughs> While defeating what remains of the Covenant. But let's start it off with the first mission, Osiris. Fireteam Osiris is dispatched to recover the UNSC's most wanted criminal, Dr. Catherine Elizabeth Halsey. Bum, 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 bum. Let's keep in mind that when we left off, when we covered her, when we covered the comics, there was still a lot of tension. Yes. They were trying to kill her a lot. So please just keep that in the back of your mind. Yes. So it starts off with some piano music playing in Dr. Catherine Halsey's office on Reach as she looks at a smiling Cortana just before she transfers her to an armored matrix. Fireteam Osiris is deployed by the UNSC Infinity to Kamchatka to extract Halsey from Jewel Mdama's forces because she has information on a series of foreign attacks on human colonies. Yeah, so, you know, it, it was like, I think it was like it starts with like a message from Halsey to... Uh, Locke that's like they're gonna kill you too as long mm -hmm. with me and it's just this random scene of like I think people have said that this takes place on Reach um, before Noble Six and all of them go in yes. and you see Cortana of course Cortana looks like Halo 5 Cortana and not <laughs> yeah. Halo 3 and Reach one and we I will say a little, little Easter egg she puts down her, her journal Yes. I, yes. I, I so love seeing that. Little details are nice like that. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. But fighting their way to Halsey's coordinates, they find that the Covenant are under attack from their own Promethean forces, which have inexplicably turned on them, weakening Umdama's hold on the Covenant. Mm -hmm. Fighting through the Covenant and Promethean forces, Osiris finally kills Umdama and his guards and secures Halsey. So this is kind of that standoff that we see. Yeah, and... and it just the, the it's like a standoff, and then the Spartans move, and just all the elites like their their goofy motions and everything. How easily they're taken out. Also, gripe number one: Umdama just dies in their like first kind of cutscene stuff. Literally, like, run up, stab him. He's dead. Yeah, and and we've been building Umdama up forever. He was like since 2011, I think. Yes, 11 or 12. Like you know, uh, in the books and the comics, and I guess in a way. It, it, in the game, it doesn't matter because you're just like an elite stab him. But like, if you knew the story behind it, yes. and all of this, like what he's caused and this this thing he's built up, and and to translate and understand foreigner things, and just like, Meh. all right, Halsey, let's go. Yeah, like it was disappointing to see that because you're just like, but he had such a cool story. Implement him in more. Capture him mm -hmm. or something. Something that, that or at least let him get away that becomes yes. like, let him get away and then bring him back in infinite. Mm -hmm. See, hindsight 2020 is what I'm talking about. But 20. to wrap this up, as they arrive on infinity after getting Halsey, she, Halsey immediately begins to ask Lasky, how far has she gone? And, you know, with Osiris, you're like, what do you mean? How far has who gone? Like, you're just, the, you're the only person here. Like, what do you mean? So it's, yeah. like, it's, it's like starts it off, gets it going. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, your hashtag detailed walkthrough, the I would have been your daddy skull, is located outside the first big structure. Not the small one. No, 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 no. Don't go to that one. I always go to the small one, usually. Incorrect. The first big structure. Gotcha. Go up to the ledge on the side on the left. The skull will be there. 
Easy enough. But Easy I, enough. I, I will say the community has been kind of split about when this game starts off with Osiris jumping out of of that air carrier and like just decimating everyone. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> it is one of the coolest things on earth. If you haven't checked out the red versus blue zero trailer yet, it very much has that vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, really like one of the biggest complaints is that the Spartans are, I will say the Spartans are too powerful in that cutscene, And then you can't really do any of that cool stuff. Sure. I will say that, but I think just visually it was so good. But visually, give me that story. These are supposed to be the most hyper-advanced soldiers with crazy yes. tech and crazy reflexes. There should be some aspect of that, especially for a team that can work together. And that's like the idea of this game is like having a, a team that works together. Yeah. So, but I will say it's probably one of the most hype cutscenes we've seen in a, in a while. Oh, yeah. So let's move on to the next mission, Blue Team. The Master Chief is reunited with his Spartan tube. Can you, can you take that back real quick? Uh, can you do that in your Steve Downs voice for everybody? <laughs> Blue Team. The Master Chief is reunited with his Spartan 2 Blue Team for a routine investigation of the lost Oni research station, Argent Moon. Thank you, Arthur Morgan. <laughs> so, you know, now we have this mission where they're talking about that Master Chief is just going hard on mission after mm-hmm, mission. Mm-hmm. They're like, I, I haven't seen him this press since, since uh, uh, basic. And keep in mind, if you have never read the books or anything... These are three strangers. Yes, that he's now in a pelican with. But you know, obviously, they're asking if he's fine. Like Fred asks if he's good. They're good. They need to be inserted into a captured Oni research vessel, Argent Moon, to secure it from the Covenant forces that are stripping it for parts. And mm-hmm. this has always been such a, a thing that people point out. It's just the elites are so different now than what they were because they're walking all like. They kind of have like a corn cob up their ass and they're, <laughs> they sound like this now instead of being like these very elegant, noble voices. And this mm-hmm. is where we're starting to see that. But so they do make their way into that Oni research vessel. And while they're fighting through Covenant you know, scavengers, the Master Chief, uh, he, he falls down this uh, just he falls off a ledge mm-hmm. and he experiences this vision. And Cortana then, you know, we see what is a guardian, you know, coming up from behind her. And she tells him Meridian is next. Yes. Yeah. And and eventually Blue Team like walks up and is like, what's going on? And this is where he's like, Cortana's back. No question about it. Everyone's like, oh, OK. Oh, cool, man. Sounds good. Let's go get her. So, you know, after uh, deciding to scuttle the Argent Moon mission, they eventually decide, you know, we're going to deny the Covenant or this this version of the Covenant Argent Moon. Mm-hmm. So they're just going to get rid of it. So they set the reactor to overload and prepare to leave aboard an experimental Oni Prowler with the Master Chief telling uh, the UNSC, hey, we're, we're going to Meridian because we're going to go find Cortana. And this is where whoever it is on the other side goes, no, we have a team already going to take care of Cortana. Keep in mind, no one's questioning the existence of Cortana. Everyone's just like, no, we got someone else, you know, going to do that. And this is where we get that legendary uh, negative infinity. I don't like it. That was the (laughs) big chief going rogue. And then they go. I don't like it. And then they go, and I, I think it's the greatest <laughs> line that could be. I mean, you've got you've got a lot of one-liners, so we got the one-liners back at least. We got the one-liners. 
uh, they're lame now, but we have a one-liner. But they're there. And then for the hashtag detailed walkthrough, in the dark corner of the reactor room, jump on the crates and the pipes. Mm -hmm, There mm -hmm. you will find a breakable floor. The black ice skull will be located in the room below. Exactly. I love it. Moving on. We are on to Glassed. Osiris must pursue Blue Team to a glass world beyond UNSC jurisdiction. Was that your AI voice? Yes, it is. <laughs> on board Infinity, Halsey learns from Captain Lasky and Spartan Palmer that Chief has gone AWOL. You know, trying to like, she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa what have I, what have I missed? Did he say negative Infinity? I don't <laughs> yeah. like it. He should have never said that's, that. That's our word from, from, from kids. I remember him saying that as a kid. Uh, that means he's gone AWOL. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and realizing that, you know, Cortana's gone and is like, because he got contacted by her and all this stuff. It's just like a whole, like... She's gone and back. I don't know what any of this means. Either way, they're like, okay, sounds good. But, you know, Infinity's AI Roland briefly gets angry with the group. And, like, they're blaming... Like, he's like, why are you blaming Cortana for Chief going AWOL? You humans. Like, it's, it's pretty much like that type of, like, idea of it. Yeah. Like, like oh, why are we blaming that? Like, let's, let's figure this out. Like, mm-hmm. wh- why are we kind of going after this? Like... You know, and it, like there's a hint of like talking about rampancy and stuff in there that yeah. we're kind of pushing to. And so this is where they're like, okay, we figure out kind of where Chief's going from that exact phrase he said, but also learning about kind of where Cortana's going based on mm-hmm. like like these 400 attacks we've, you know, obviously we've just heard of. Yeah. So we're going to go meet at Meridian because that's where Chief's going to be so we can capture him. Of course. Because that's what makes sense. Uh, so, like, okay. But. We continue to this space elevator, and the space elevator is descending down to Meridian uh, with Osiris on it. Yes, I, I will say the visual of this is cool. It's really neat. It's really well done. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the the, the weapon play and the, the visuals in this game, the I'll, sky, I'll sky boxes, environment mm, are good. So they're well great. done. Great. Um, and they discover like as they're going down, this colony's under attack. Mm-hmm. And so as they, you know, they're like, "Yep, sounds good. Sounds good. You guys need help." And Governor Sloan, but Governor Sloan, who is like heading this colony, is like disapproving of their help from it. Yeah, he doesn't want the meddling. Essentially, exactly. He's like, we could handle it. Like, no, you couldn't. We can handle it. Everyone's dead. We can handle it. Yeah. But as the team, you know, progresses through the colony, you know, Sloan is like, oh yeah, guys. Uh, oh, you want to leave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the scorpion. Like, just take the scorpion. Just get out of here. Just, just get out of here. You guys are good, right? Sounds good. Uh, but, yeah, once they reach the gate of Meridian Station, Osiris helps defend this perimeter. You do this kind of just, like, defense wave thing against these Prometheans. Um, and it kind of gets you wrapped up into the next aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it can't be a mission. I thought a hashtag detailed walkthrough for you. Of course not. To find the Iron Skull. Only. Write this down. Only on Legendary. You must shoot down the Phaeton attacking the friendly cargo ship. The skull will then either spawn at the nearby fence, on top of the Scorpion Bay, or the small archway near the entrance. 33.33333 Repeating, chance, of course. Yes, of getting that. But now we have the next mission, Meridian Station. Osiris learns that Meridian Station harbors many secrets. Mm. That is... I don't know. That flavor text is so boring. It's flavor text. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so inside Meridian Station, Osiris heads to the center to meet with Governor Sloan, only to learn that he is an AI in the late stages of, you know, deterioration. Mm -hmm. And this is where we have that mission where it's that uh, 
eavesdropping mission where you just walk around and and this is this listen. is a, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first passive mission we do. I believe so. Yes, so, I think we so, have one other. I could be wrong. But. So that is another like intro into this game that we're getting is is passive missions of just doing side quests basically yeah it's like it's it's just essentially just like listening in and being like walking up standing two feet from someone as they're having this very top secret conversation because at least in like other games you gotta hide behind a bush Mm -hmm. and this is really um we'll touch on this at the end uh because we're very similar to what we did with like odst there are audio logs and some other collectibles in here that we're going to touch on kind of after the campaign and talk a little bit more about them. A little bit. But there's just so much of it. So we're going to kind of reveal that all at the end. But this is kind of one of those first missions that you feel that of mm-hmm. like, I want to explore. I want to get around. Yes, and, yes, and yes, yes. I will say this with 343. They made that rewarding. Yes. To be able to explore this environment that they created so you can find these audio logs and collectibles along with doing these passive missions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, continue on. But I just wanted to kind like, of to touch base on that and let people know before they start to get to the end and go, hey... They we've, didn't touch on that. We've been cheated at hundreds of detail walkthroughs. Yeah, so we'll give you a, a, a hashtag fatty walkthrough <laughs> at the end <laughs> on a little bit more of what that is. Yes, of course. But, you know, they do eventually get permission from Sloan to search for Blue Team. And, you know, as they're eavesdropping, they they uh, learn that they were making their way. Blue Team was making their way towards the Apogee Station. Mm-hmm. So uh, Osiris investigates and they eventually go to the Apogee Station through a pelican that has been offered so graciously by the deteriorating Governor Sloan. Mm-hmm. So, so Osiris is starting to figure it out, but Sloan is like doing the best at like, I'll whatever you want to get away from here. It sounds good. Get out of here, nerd. Yeah, but moving on, we are onto unconfirmed. Osiris tracks Blue Team deep below the surface of Meridian. There's question marks in here. Apparently, it's unconfirmed. That's what I went with. But but yeah, so Osiris tracks blue team deep below the surface of Meridian. So once again, our flavor text is more just a description of what we're doing. Yeah. But Osiris and a group of the colony's Leon Dordum Corporation security forces arrive at the Apogee Station and engage these attacking Prometheans. Mm-hmm. After clearing the station, Osiris investigates a prowler left behind by blue team with traces to an underground mine located nearby. Underground, the team discovers a foreigner structure with an elevator continuing even further down. So this is where we're like, hmm, what is Sloan kind of hiding from us? You know, so they're kind of like slowly pee, like mm-hmm. there is a, there's a foreigner thing, there's a mine. So it's obviously known yes. what this is. Mm-hmm. Following an elevator trip, you know, into that mine, into that foreigner structure, Osiris is stopped by the Warren Eternal. So our first 10-minute boss, uh, <laughs> who is in the service uh, of Cortana saying that Blue Team was allowed to pass, but that Osiris is not. Yes. So this is kind of really where we're getting that lore-building idea of like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, what is this? Is is Chief kind of working with them? And so I, I do like that little bit of mystery we get at the beginning of like, what's kind of going on with this? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's our first kind of boss fight we get to, we get into. But, you know, af- after, after kind of dealing dealing with that for now, after the, you know, like I said, they suspect that they learn that there's this, this guardian that, that's yeah. kind of there, and there's like this this higher powered Promethean type thing. Basically, it's a forerunner thingy, forerunner aspect. Uh, we don't really know yet. We're, we're we're trying to figure out what this guardian is yeah. from the namesake of the game. So so as, as they progress on, after you know defeating it, they learn about the Warden Eternal. Sorry, they, they learn about the the guardian. They continue on, and they actually confront Blue Team in the same room where that 
Guardian is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where we see that that fist fight between Chief yeah, and this Locke. Is, this is uh, top ten fights of the year, um, <laughs> decade. Yes, yeah, decade. I would say. Um, I mean, Bruce Lee esque. Some might, some might even say with that. <laughs> no, this is this is where I think they should have relied less on mocap or more on mocap, and had professional fighters do this. Yeah, it was. It it, it, it wasn't a good fight. It was a v- weird, clunky fight that, as we talked about earlier, talking about that first cinematic mm-hmm. of Osiris just like just going through everything, and then you have this. Why is it that we now have a slow mo space fight? Of like the two sl- two slowest clunkers. Yeah, I mean, they're spark- it seems more just like they're just throwing haymakers left and right rather than having this militaristic training since birth. You yeah, know? I mean, that was a huge aspect of having that combat training close close quarters combat. So, mm-hmm. alas, judge it as you may, they do have this fight. Yes, you know, Chief ends up being like, "See ya." Yeah, now. well, because something we didn't touch on is that. Blue, or, uh, Osiris team was going to use this device that will like lock the armor of a Spartan because armor lock and Spartan lock are there. <laughs> and, but, and he was using his namesake. Yeah, but he so he pulls it out to go use it on Chief. Chief reverses it on him, mm-hmm. and then Chief. I do love like Chief's like little kind of like uh, fu as he like walks backwards and then turns around into the portal because Blue Team. I will say I love that. It's Osiris. The rest of Osiris' team is like off in the distance, mm-hmm. and then it's Blue Team, and there's a portal behind them, and then you had uh, a lock that was only able to get there. And Chief just kind of like looks at Blue Team and like nods at them, like just go. Yeah. So I do love kind of how Chief handles this. It was just that fight that was kind of silly. You also missed um, too in in typical Halo fashion. This is only in the legendary playthrough after you played 150 times through. Mm-hmm. Um, after Chief sticks that onto Lock. He repeats to teabag him while pointing <laughs> at the portal. It's it's only 150 playthroughs on Legendary until you get that that specific scene, but it's a good one. Yeah. So if someone's go ahead and play it 150 times, <laughs> I know. But continuing on, you know, after that happens, this is where like the structure after like uh, Blue Team leaves, mm-hmm. the structure starts to collapse. So then that's when um, Osiris kind of gets over to Lock and was like, "Dude, we got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. We got to figure this out." And so they narrowly escape through a portal that Blue Team used earlier, thinking, all right, we'll find them and we'll track them through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is like the first scene where they kind of make Buck a bumbling idiot who's yeah. like always almost going to fall off a ledge. And then Spartan Locke's like, oh, you owe me one because I saved you because you're like one of the best Spartans on Earth. <laughs> but you're a freaking idiot. Hey, it's different here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so that, that kind of starts it off. That gets us into the Rocky story, gets us a little bit more to the aspect of seeing a guardian, of this kind of mm-hmm. like whole structure of it and kind of really what Meridian really is. Yeah. Um, and that kind of wraps it up for this mission. But it doesn't wrap up our hashtag detailed walkthrough. It does not. And with that, we are talking about the Blind Skull, which is located in the first underground mine. Go up the shaft there and you'll find a secret cave. Within said cave, there will be a cranium, a skull hidden there. Hashtag detailed walkthrough, just so you all know. There you go. Next, we have the mission evacuation. Osiris are separated from blue team and must race to catch up. So Osiris does land inside Meridian Station, and Governor Sloan is giving evacuation orders to everyone in the colony because the, you know, every time one of these guardians shows up Mm -hmm. it just starts wrecking the planet and destroying the planet and it's killing millions of people every time so yeah and and basically sloan knows that 
Cortana wants to use this guardian. Yes, and and to go back a little bit to the beginning of the game of uh, these these foreigner attacks, this is what's been happening. Mm-hmm. The attacks are actually these guardians waking up yes. and decimating these planets, and that's when Cortana says Meridian is next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then uh, Osiris is planning on taking that space elevator back up to their pelican. Mm-hmm. They clear out their outpost at the base to save, you know, all the Meridian residents that they can fighting off Prometheans yes. and knights and soldiers and, and dogs and flying disc things. All, all of it. All of it is there to, you know, to kind of like to, to kind of stop it, halt it, to mm-hmm. like let that guardian wake up from its, its little mm-hmm. nap. Yeah. So the, the guardian then starts a uh, countdown and the elevator that they're on makes an emergency halt, mm-hmm. forcing Osiris to climb the rest of the way to their pelican as the, you know, the, the elevator starts falling apart around them. They do make it just in time and the guardian travels into slip space right as Osiris flies away. But... Now let's talk about hashtag detailed walkthrough. In order to get the thunderstorm skull, you must destroy five traffic cones in two minutes Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the mission. The skull will be on the ground at the end of the mission right before the Guardian does the EMP pulse. Very specific. Very specific, I know. Narrator Union. Blue team arrive at the Forerunner World Genesis where they discover the true reason for the Guardian's activation. Thank you, Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) Blue team arrive on a lush Forerunner world, noting the arrival of numerous Guardians with them. Yeah, because in that skybox, you see a bunch in the background, like Mm -hmm. starting to show up again. Beautiful skyboxes. It's it's amazing. You see all these tiny portals going through and all Mm -hmm. these Guardians uh, coming. Tiny, I guess tiny in the relative term of the skybox, but they're all arriving in this central location. Yes. They are led to a console by familiar signal from their training and encounter ragtag Covenant survivors dragged through... In the wake of multiple guardian like portals, so all these like you're fighting these covenant that like were just like happened to like come through these portals as well mm-hmm. with it. So you're kind of like fighting these forces that are not really sure what's going on, but they believe that like these planets that were going is this is now another sign of those those prophets and and that yeah. this is actually the real kind of covenant is going to be within this guardian idea of it because mm-hmm. because all these species in the covenant are just idiots. For the most part. There's They're, like new stuff. That's the real stuff. Big thing. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so this is where we now see the warden eternal again, who's in like another body and introduces himself as Cortana's defender. Um, as blue team starts to get closer to Cortana's location, the warden starts to interrogate the chief over his intentions for Cortana. It's like, it's like the, the new, like, Boyfriend who's way too overprotective. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you doing with her? You, you talking to her? Why are you talking to her? <laughs> but but starts to get an idea of like what are his plans? Mm-hmm. You know, because obviously, like if you're gonna try and take her, kind of gotta stop you. Like my thing, and I've been told is to not touch you, but I can override that. I'm gonna touch you. That's what he said. That's actually the line that they put in. I'm gonna touch you, and then the, <laughs> and then the fight starts. <laughs> the fight starts when John. Uh, response and basically says that he's like, I'm gonna take her home. I'm taking her with me. That's when the warden says, "You're a threat, and I'm gonna touch you." <laughs> and, uh, and and that he's like, truly like, John is now okay. Never mind, you were okay before, but you're a threat to our goal. So we need to stop you. That's when he like summons Promethean forces to try and mm-hmm. deal with it. Um, after defeating this iteration of the warden, they are contacted by Cortana, explicit like directly who explains that she arrived at the planet aboard the wreckage of the Didax ship after yeah. it was dragged through slip space 
and that her rampancy was cured by accessing the domain. So this is where we get that lore aspect of it, of not understanding what happened between 4 and 5. And still getting no context. Really. And getting no context, but at least getting an idea of, okay, ship went through here, she accessed this thing, she's quote-unquote cured from rampancy. Yeah. Basically, she knows everything now. It's, it's kind mm-hmm. of the, the idea of it, because that's kind of what the domain is, is like the library of everything. Yes. She then leads Blue Team across the planet to meet her at the access point to the actual domain itself. So she's trying... I think overall, if we want to kind of pull anything from this relationship... Even though Cortana's is AI that knows everything, there's still that sweet spot for John. And and always. And always. Po- yeah, and always. Possibly we don't know at this point if it's just an aspect of being familiar with each other, or does she have a, a, a secondary, maybe evil motive for him? Yeah. We don't really know those things yet. But this is kind of where we 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 stop on this mission and get access to it. And but to give you an idea on our hashtag Double detailed walkthrough. Double. Double, double. The Grunt Birthday Party Skull can be found when the player enters the tunnel to the right, when they first see the Covenant. From there, you'll need to melee the Grunt on the ledge that's singing. The skull will appear afterward. Imagine just singing show tunes and that happens. And just crash on it like, I got it, skull. <laughs> that's the only reason he's dead. <laughs> I needed this birthday skull. Um, and then finally, we have the Fog Skull. And to find it, Go right instead of going towards Cortana to enter her installation. From there, go up the hill. At the end of the pathway in the Forerunner structure, you'll find said skull. Now we are on to the next mission, Swords of Zanghelios. When evidence reveals that Master Chief is in danger, Fireteam Osiris' mission changes from retrieval to rescue. So now we're back on the Infinity and Locke meets with Lasky and the Swords of St. Helios, an escort who will be taking Locke to meet with the Arbiter. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we've we've been talking about this in the Travis books, that there's a civil war going on in St. Helios right now. Yes, and that the Arbiter is, is one of the main components of it. And mm-hmm. then, like, all these different religious sects are the ones that are kind of attacking it and, mm-hmm. and going after him. Yeah. And so they land on St. Helios and they work their way to the Vadam lands where the Arbiter is. And they, uh, you know, they're fighting all against the Covenant who are trying to take over the planet entirely. Mm -hmm. So now it's no longer ran by, you know, uh, the Arbiter, who is the leader of the the not rebelling Sanghili. Correct. Yeah. And so then Osiris gets to the Elder Council chamber learning, you know, that's where the Arbiter is. And they learn that, you know, if the if the Covenant are able to kill the Arbiter, they're not going to be able to stop the Guardian that's on Zeng Helios. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they clear out the landing zone for Maki Chava to drop off two mantises and uh, these friendly sort of Zeng Helios elites to secure the Elder Council chamber, because remember, that's where the Arbiter is held up. Yes. Eventually, they do clear out that chamber, and that's where then they fly in, and they meet with the Arbiter, and they, they kind of, like, I do love the Arbiter's exchange with Locke, because it's very much like, yeah, at one point, uh, I know that you were just an Oni agent, and you were originally sent to kill me, mm-hmm. and now we're working together, which is, like, I do love that aspect of, like, at one point they were enemies, now they ha- there's still this odd tension between everyone. And you could tell that they really wrote the Arbiter into this to be this very wise Sangheili. Mm-hmm. Which which we didn't really see before. Like we saw it a little bit in, in some of the aspects of it, but it was more so on war, yes, and, and, and in battle. But now we're seeing it as almost like not a comedic aspect, but like isn't it ironic? You know, Alanis mm-hmm. Morissette. 
Mm. The Atlantis more set at each other. <laughs> <laughs> but now let's get to the hashtag detailed walkthrough. After walking through the ruins, get on the high platform to your left. From there, the mythic skull can be found. Mm-hmm. Obtainable, it will be yours. Thank you, Yoda. <laughs> Attainable, it will be. Uh, now we're on to Alliance. Osiris joins forces with the Swords of Sanghelios. This is our second um, walk-around mission, our second passive mission, yeah. I should say. So you're walking around this kind of ragtag outskirt base where you've got like, the shit, the pelican set up, and you have all these different uh, Swords of Sanghelios grunts and, and, and workers and stuff that are just kind of hanging out. and Chilling chilling and you know you're tasked to kind of explore it and and talk to some people it's almost the same different aspects to it but almost the same idea that we did back on meridian Mm -hmm. so so you're going through there and this is like i said once again where you can really just play around and platform and explore and yeah get some more grunt singing you Mm -hmm. know get some more little conversations and get some more like little easter eggs and get more of those audio logs and and Mm -hmm. things of that aspect once again the easiest aspect for these is to really just follow a guide for the audio logs. That's what I yes. did playing through Halo 5, just because there's so many of them. And in, some of them are in, like, silly locations where, like, you'd have to explore a lot to get some. Yeah. So check that out. But anyway, started off, you know, this starts off with a talk between Arbiter and Locke and talking about that Cortana then pings every device in that camp uh, to find this guardian, because she's still trying to find out where it is on Sanghelios. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Arbor refuses to help Osiris until the last Covenant stronghold on Sanghelios belongs to the Swords of Sanghelios, forcing Osiris to confront the guardians by themselves. Later, Locke meets with Dr. Halsey, who's there, uh, discusses activating the guardian of Sanghelios using a constructor. So use, like activating it themselves mm-hmm. is that, like the thing they can do. Um, and that constructor is... Uh, We've seen it before, but it's a forerunner interface for interacting with the Guardians. And Halsey then sends Spartan Palmer and Osiris to retrieve it. Friendly reminder, she's working with Palmer, who shot her freaking arm off. Yep. And and so, <laughs> and we get a little bit of that, a little of that tension that Halsey talks about while she's there. And, you know, this is kind of, it's, these missions to me were kind of odd for Halo, but I do like that it is kind of a change of pace to get a little bit more lore. Mm-hmm. in a way and so yes yeah, so this is where you know if you found all your stuff and you've done all your your side quests of talking to people this is where you can kind of finally wrap this up and mm-hmm. say okay now we're heading here yeah so the next mission we have is enemy lines in order to activate the guardian osiris must track down a forerunner constructor so osiris starts heading towards the forerunner facility holding the constructor but they need to help the Arbiter take out, you know, the Covenant Kraken first by clearing out the ground forces. Mm-hmm. This is where we do have that mission with that ugly thing called the Kraken. So after Osiris regroups in the Sanghili Temple, Prometheans start to attack, allowing Osiris to take down the Kraken by landing on it using Phaetons, which mm-hmm. was, again, we also get that gameplay with the Phaetons. So we got a, we got a lot of new elements in here. Yeah, and this is really one of the bigger maps we're playing with it's to have, like, huge, a huge aspect yes. to be able to play around and have multiple kind of missions with it, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. So once inside the structure, Osiris obtains the constructor and returns back to the Arbiter's base at the camp. Once inside the structure, uh, Osiris obtains the constructor and returns back to the Arbiter's base camp. So it's a pretty straightforward mission. Go get the sink, come back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for your hashtag detailed walkthrough, in order to obtain the catch skull, board the Kraken and head down to find the Banshee docking base. 
you'll need to get in a banshee and find the small platform above. From there, you can get the skull. There you go. Next, we have Beyond, not Beyond, Before the Storm. Osiris and the Swords of Sanghelios prepare for a final battle with the Covenant. So this is another one of those kind of like getting set up, chatting about what's going on. You get your hype speech. Yeah, it's like a hype mission. It's like it's like your hype mission next year. Hype year. mission. Oh, we're going to have a great, we're gonna have a great <laughs> final. You're going to do great. Uh, but Spartan Palmer, Halsey, and the Arbiter decide that once Halsey plans to activate the Guardian using the Constructor, Osiris and the Swords of Sanghelius will attack the Covenant stronghold of Sunayan. So this is where they're like, okay, here's our plan with it. Let's get it thought out. And let's kind of get it rolling. I mean, this is really mm-hmm. what we have to do to get the aspect of what we need to like to like bring down Cortana and save the universe once again once again but the constructor starts heading to the guardian and the constructor starts heading to the guardian but before Osiris leaves Halsey tells Locke to bring home Chief even if Cortana gets destroyed I don't care about Cortana give me Chiefy boy yeah so she has like this moment of I think guilt too where it's Mm -hmm. like listen if anything make sure green monster man comes home (laughs) and that you know, at any cost type of thing. So that mm-hmm. Cortana doesn't really matter. Just make sure that he makes it home. Yeah. Then we have the next mission, Battle of Sunayan. Osiris races to reach the Guardian before it leaves Sanghelios. Osiris' first objective is to destroy three anti-air cannons that are destroying the Arbiter's forces on their way to the Guardian. Kind of reminds me of the Halo 3 mission, the Storm. Mm-hmm. But due to an overwhelming number of anti-air defenses, Osiris cannot be picked up and taken to the Guardian, instead being forced to travel by Sunayan's undercity. Mm-hmm. They gotta walk. That always sucks. Subway's out. Just <laughs> You can't, can't make it there on time. As the Guardian begins singing, Sunayan starts to fall apart and Osiris is forced to race to the Guardian. Right before Osiris boards the Guardian, the Warden Eternal appears for the seventh time to prevent them from reaching Genesis, the suspected destination of the Guardian. Yes. So you have to go through, defeat the Warden Eternal again, and once you do so, they are picked up by Spartan Palmer and Halsey in a Pelican. And on the way, the Pelican is hit, and the Spartans have to jump off onto the Guardian itself. Mm-hmm. And now we have hashtag detailed walkthrough to find the cowbell skull. You'll enter the large area where you can see the guardian stay on the ground level and get as close to the guardian as you can jump down on the beam below and obtain your cowbell skull. Bada bang, bada boom. Next up we have Genesis. Oh, Cyrus arrives on Genesis where they meet a new ally in their battle. Oh, Locke and the rest of Osiris have to run down the guardian with their magnet boots. Basically, like we've talked about, if you haven't listened to some of our previous content, we've talked about that. And we have a bonus episode coming out soon that explores Spartan armor. So we'll talk a little oh, bit yes. more about, you know, the aspect of that. Uh, but yeah, so they're trying to, just trying to get back down to Genesis. They're like just sprinting down this Guardian. This this mission is kind of cool, though, because you see that grand scale and you're like, you keep jumping oh, and gliding through the air. It's it's really awesome. So it, it's, it's really cool. And after exchanging... A few words with Chief Overcomes, like what's going on and and, and, and that they're there, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually meet up with 031 Exuberant Witness. So we get a new monitor. Mm-hmm. And this monitor, I really like. Exuberant Witness is really cool because yeah. it almost has thought, I guess, in a way of like trying to be like, no, 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 you got to stop doing this stuff. You know, you, you're going to destroy this installation. Uh, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's the monitor of the Genesis installation that they're on. Yeah. 
And exuberant witness asks Osiris if they are there to stop Cortana from claiming the mantle, a forced peace upon the galaxy with death as the penalty. To help Osiris cross Genesis, exuberant witness then produces a scorpion for them to use. So exuberant witness talks to him, he's like, you dare to stop them? And they're like, yeah. It's like, oh, good. You know, I, I need this to just kind of mm-hmm. stay as it is. I want to just chill here. And then she poops a scorpion. Yep, that's that's exactly well, what happens. Well, what happens, yeah, for the most part, Cortana and the Warden Eternal pushed her out of yes. her, you know, having her permissions and everything on. on yeah, the, they're basically taking advantage of it. And very mm-hmm. similar that we've seen, you know, any time with Guilty Spark, once they kind of lose control of the situation of their installation, mm-hmm. they're like, no, who, who wants to stop them? I will help you with whatever you need type thing. Exactly. And so... As the Guardians start to be summoned by Cortana, so all these kind of portals coming back in, bringing these Guardians together, the Warden Eternal once again shows up to try and stop Osiris from reaching Blue Team. Oh, boy. So fight, 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 boss battle again. And these boss battles, they're neat, I would say. I, that's probably the best it, way it I can describe it. It was neat the first time, but nothing has changed. Um, He has some multiples of himself in some of the battles, and that's probably like, the closest we get to like an yeah, exchange. It's, it's kind of like a mini boss or like a boss fight that goes through multiple stages, mm-hmm. but over the game. Yeah. So after, you know, defeating the Warden Eternal once again, Osiris meets up with Blue Team and joins forces to try and stop Cortana, only to have Cortana teleport Blue Team away. No! Plot armor. That way we'll eat them together. Um, but I mean, this mission's neat. Uh, I mean, the Warden Eternal battles, it's grinding at this point. If you play this over several days, it's okay. She's like, oh, boss battle today. But if you just sat there and grinded it, you know, like, like when I you, did. Yeah, yeah, when you first play it, you're like, oh, okay, same thing. It's kind of like the same exact setup, too. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to hide when he does that thing, and then I'll go out and shoot him, and sounds good. Yeah. So, but ends with that teleportation of Blue Team away. And to give you your hashtag detailed walkthrough, after you defeat the Warden Eternal, go to the pile of rocks, not the mound of them or the mountain of them, but the pile. The tilt skull will be at the top of the rocks. Easy enough, folks. Mm-hmm. Now we're on to the breaking. The Master Chief and his team face their greatest threat and his hardest choice as the true powers of Genesis is revealed. Mm-hmm. So Chief and Blue Team head to where Cortana is, and I believe she's in this like kind of cryptum sphere. Yes. And they're having to deal with Warden Eternal, who's trying to stop them along the way, because remember at one point... He let them through, and now he's saying, well, never mind. Because the Warren Eternal uh, is is this one entity. He just uses all these different bodies. Exactly. But at the same time, we are getting this conflicting resolution between the Warren Eternal and Cortana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, know, you know, of her saying, like, no, dude, they're they're chill. And he's like, no, I have to stop them. He's, he's like, this is my house party. You can't just invite <laughs> your friends to my house party. I don't know them. Yeah, and that's pretty much why it's it's kind of happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even like the Warden Eternal is even pointing out that you're not using logic, Cortana. You're using your emotions mm-hmm. to, to make these decisions. But, you know, he's he's not able to stop Blue Team. And he, you know, as you had mentioned, this is where he summons yes, three of himself. Is, yep. And, you know, try like this last hurrah to stop them. Uh, finally, Blue Team does make their way to where Cortana is, but this is that cutscene where there um, dozens of Warren Eternals are coming in, and and this is one of those things that you don't think of, but Chief tells Blue Team because they're getting back to his ledge. He goes, "Focus fire!" They all just start scattering fire literally everywhere. They're just shooting at anything that's moving. 
I love it. Again, something I didn't realize until someone had pointed it out. Mm -hmm. But this is where then all of a sudden all the Warden Eternals disappear. And Cortana just comes in and, like, touches the last one and it disappears. And you're like, why didn't you do that from the beginning, Cortana, to help (laughs) us out? But this is where then Master Chief is trying to tell her, like, you can't do this. You need to come home. And this is where she explains her plan, like, no. I'm part of the created now. You're not going to understand. So she locks blue team into like this, this cryptum stasis yes. and says like, you guys will understand eventually. She's like, but for th- this is for your own good. You have time to, to figure out, you know, what, or, you know, realize that you want to join me and you'll be safe in here. Yeah. So you still see that like, like the war internal brought up, she's still thinking with emotion in that aspect. Mm-hmm. But I think we've seen that, you know, prevail through the games. Not only is it Halsey in there, I think the AI starts to take on a lot of the personalities around them. Even Black Box mm-hmm. that we've talked about, which was this cold AI who didn't care about humans or even other AIs, starts to actually really care. Mm-hmm. And we see that human personality coming through. So definitely written in. I think that's written in well mm-hmm. of, of the idea of that. I just think the execution of this weird love interest thing is there and not yeah. necessarily f- like familiar. Yeah. It's more of a love interest, which is just kind of odd. Yeah. But hashtag detailed walkthrough. The famine skull can be found in a room where the Warren Eternal spawns. Enter the hall under the Warren Eternal to find the skull. Beautiful. Easy enough, folks. What, what's also beautiful is we are on our final mission. Da-da-da-da. Guardians. Da-da-da-da. The namesake of the game. <laughs> so yeah, as with Guardians, as blue teams, lives hang in the balance. So Osiris must save them from and stop the Guardians. So they just need to stop them. So basically Osiris needs to save Blue Team and stop the Guardians. Um, Osiris races to the Cryptum to save Blue Team, spotting dozens of Guardians converging. So it's obviously, oh, it's getting time. Continuing along, Cortana starts calling the other AIs in the galaxy to join her as the created with hundreds pledging to join her. I thought this was a really cool scene. Because uh, he's also calling out to all the other uh, species as well. Ungoy, yes. Kigyar. They're all like, you want in? I rule, but you, if you want in. And and during, because it's during this whole scene this is happening. Yes, it's like a, you hear it in the background. It's, it's yeah. very chilling. Yeah, it, it reminds me of kind of almost Star Foxy, where like you get like mm-hmm. the, and it like pops up with these like little yes, screens and stuff. Uh-huh. So you get that as like you hear these other AIs pledging. You eventually, uh, we eventually, if we haven't heard it already in this scene, you know, uh, we hear Governor Sloan saying like, you got me. Sounds good. Like me and my people are with you. You know, we're good, fam. Mm-hmm. So we start to hear a lot more of that, and it really seems hopeless at this point in the game. And I, th- I thought they did that very well. I thought three for three did that of like how daunting and huge this task is and just how yeah. much you've, you already feel like you've failed, which is really interesting. So, you know, as this continues on, Osiris eventually makes it to the gravitational cores that when destroyed will allow Osiris the chance to retrieve blue team. Mm-hmm. But in an attempt to stop them, Cortana starts toying with them and reading their UNSC profiles. So, mm-hmm. like, trying to get in their heads of, like, all the stuff they've done wrong and the losses they've had and, like, all this aspect of them, which I think, God, I, I really like that aspect of it. Yeah. I think I think as, as a character overall, I think Cortana was written decently throughout this. Yes. And, like, the idea of, like, becoming this rampant AI and knowing everything. So, done pretty well. But to her dismay, they have successfully disabled the cryptum. And Cortana shuts Osiris out. But thanks to Exuberant Witness, they're able to continue through. So Exuberant yeah. Witness is with them along. Like, no, no, no. This is my installation. Hell no. I control this aspect. They're going. 
Cortana then starts the slip space sequence and the Guardians pulse, knocking Osiris down. Locke then barely manages to destroy their controls, effectively stopping Cortana from sending away the cryptum and putting Exuberant Witness back in control. And this is where Exuberant Witness then sends Cortana away and frees Blue Team from that cryptum. This is my favorite ending to both of the 343 Industries games so far, where you just press X to crawl. (laughs) Epic. Then across the galaxy, UNSC ships and colonies are sending out distress signals because most of the AS have shut down on their planets or colonies. So we're we're, we're seeing that aspect actually happening. This this part's so cool because it is. It's the UNSC Infinity seeing... Just not the world, but the galaxy starts shutting down. Yes. It's it's so, so neat. It's, it's just such a wide-scale thing. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, like, like you said, aboard the Infinity, Cortana suddenly appears with a Guardian, but the Infinity goes into slip space before it can be destroyed, running from Cortana until Infinity can find, you know, a way to fight any of this. Yes, because that's it's literally... You know, Roland's like, are we just going to run? And, and this is where Lasky says, not until, until we find a way to fight. Yeah. And, and that's basically, that's like the first little ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then, cause then we get, um, you know, like this kind of like ending of kind of like, all right, phew, let's calm down. And on saying Helios, Blue Team and Osiris return to the Arbiter's base camp, meeting up with Halsey, Spartan Palmer, and the Arbiter to kind of give these these talks of like, what? What are we gonna do? Yeah, and I know that that that's what happens in 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 uh, Bad Blood, mm-hmm. the book. But you know, really, it's just Halsey walks up to Chief and just says, "It took you long enough." Yeah, and the game ends. And so this is the first time we're ever seeing in a game those two meet. Yes, not meet, but but they're reunited. But they should be reunited mm-hmm. from the fall of Reach, pretty much. Yeah, from from those aspects of it. Yeah, and so it's it's so crazy to see, but. But to wrap it up for our hashtag bum, 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 detailed walkthrough, run up the ramp behind the Gamma Core. Once you get to the top, jump across the ledge onto the Pelican. Next, sorry, it jumped. Next to it will be the Tough Luck Skull. And finally, let's talk about the legendary ending. So after the credits have rolled, Cortana will be heard humming as the camera pans to a floating halo ring and i believe she's kind of humming something along the lines of what 343 guilty spark would hum as well and then like i said we're going to touch a little bit on the mission intel so the mission intel are these objects found within the halo 5 campaign replacing terminals so we're not having terminals anymore it's these little logs that we find and they are audio logs that fill the player in on backstories to various characters and events, and as well as, you know, insights into, like, the minds of these characters and what's going on. Mm-hmm. So unlike the terminals, which are all identical in appearance, mission intel are depicted in different ways. So, you know, like, on sort of saying Helios, it's data disks, or there's UNSC data pads. So there's different ways it can be found. There are a total of 117. 117 mission intel pieces that can be found throughout the campaign. So we'll kind of just break them down slightly, just to give an idea of what's kind of going on with them mm-hmm. and, and the aspects of them. So on Osiris, you get seven pieces of mission detail that kind of depict pretty much all of Halsey's research notes on it that's kind of researching these foreigner signals before the, the fall of Cortana, I guess you would say, or basically as the Guardians start. Yeah. Um, and then a little bit with Jewel Dama and just some little tidbits with an ongoing personal log and Covenant Combat Orders. So that is really the first time we see it. Then on Blue Team, we get a total of eight. And all of those are pretty much these test results that are trying to figure out what's going on with it. And we kind of start to figure out that these tests were 
pretty much a way to kind of figure out this more this morbidity rate. You have to kind of listen through them, but it's basically mm-hmm. test results in this lab. We also just get some logs that kind of talk about different aspects of Argent Moon and what has happened in those mining facilities. Yeah. But yeah, like on Glast, we have like uh, six pieces of intel that are from Evelyn Collins talking about Meridian from day one, five, seventeen. And also talking about uh, uh, received shipment, as well as, you know, we get some history of Meridian itself. Yeah. So so we get Evelyn Collins, who's this uh, scientist mm-hmm. that moved there and get an idea of, like, what's been happening over it. Uh, and then we jump to the Meridian Station, and this is where we get a bit more of that history of Meridian, um, as well as personal logs from settlers and about a deglassing incident to kind of deal with kind of resetting all this metals that's around there. So mm-hmm. so once again, we're, we're kind of giving you this hashtag fatty walkthrough that's just going over these in general. I definitely recommend reading through these and going over them. But a lot of them, like we said, are just little summer lore. Some are just kind of like filler, like Skyrim books, basically, yeah. to kind of give you mm-hmm. some ideas of what's going on. But yeah, then, then on Unconfirmed... We're still getting, we're, we're getting, you know, messages from the Apogee station along with, you know, we're still filling in more of that history of Meridian. Uh, we're getting like a drill operator's personal log. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, I, I like how it's also like, it's spread out like history of Meridian is in some levels and yes. other levels. Because it ends up wrapping up in evacuation with six in six pieces of intel with the last two histories of meridian on there off-world messages and mm-hmm. these were just kind of talking about uh governor sloan yeah and and don't worry about it like i think they're going to be fine and talk about the elevator you know little little things that have happened within these missions that are giving you ideas of maybe what happened with something or why mm-hmm. does this look this way yeah and, and then on reunion I always love the Ungoy personal logs because they're super silly. But we're also getting, you know, UNSC Marine status updates. And something is there's this Forerunner record search and mm-hmm. really go in, in a deep dive of what the Bastion is. But yes. there is this search for that. And it's super interesting and super cryptic. So these are, uh, you know, a great way because it covers that. Uh, it covers four out of five of the, you know, the search for that bastion. Mm-hmm. And then jumping over to sorts of saying Helios, this was actually a really fun one to get because we actually have 12 mission intels and we have our first three that we're getting our ceremonial sword. And this is all these different uh, hilts of a sword that bear proverbs mm-hmm. uh, of saying Helios. Then we get all these kind of patrol logs. And then what I love is we have Kit Pitlimp. Love the name. Same. Uh, <laughs> which is searching for foreign secrets. It's, an, it's a, uh, basically this quote-unquote explorer. And I love that it's basically this ungoy who's like, do-do-do-do-do, going through, exploring stuff. <laughs> Julem Dama said I should find stuff here. So it's 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 fun. I, like Jesse said, the ungoy archives are probably my favorite because they're the goofiest in here. The silliest. But still tell stories with it. And then we kind of wrap up with messages to Kitun Arak. And these are these loyalty messages from brother to brother. And it mm-hmm. gives you, I guess, more of that familiar insight into, you know, home life and worrying about like, oh, where are you? What's going on? Um, and and really diving a little bit into more of that schism that's been happening. Yeah. And then we still get more Zanghelios lore 
on Alliance where we're having like Camp Quartermaster personal logs. Mm-hmm. We're getting medics personal logs, linguistics reports, like some some kind of boring stuff. But then I love that we're getting one of my favorite ones is Dr. Halsey's status. But one of my favorite ones is do not open, which is a <laughs> yes. uh, rare Zinghili attempt at interspecies love poetry by Vale Truckick. So but, but let me mm, let's set the mood. Fire crackle. Mm-hmm. Robes on. Here we go. Erase previous recording. Begin new recording. I saw you standing at your ship with armored hand on armored hip. Both my hearts begin to pound. So lovely was what I found. I love your brightly shiny armor. Human named Commander Palmer. I wish that we... What were you doing here, Grunt? What are you laughing at? I will tear off your arms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so cute. See, Palmer? Covenant lover. <laughs> But we also then have enemy lines where we have more Zinghili personal logs, uh, the Ungoy personal logs, uh, message to Jakul Arach, and other, uh, you know, we keep going about the ceremonial swords. We have uh, one from Drab Limist uh, called Dear Covenant, Please Read, which again, the grunt ones are hilarious because we also have more Kit Pit Limps. Some Kit Pit Limp adventure. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and going up, I do love the the Ungoy personal log 023, which is from Grim Yet Pid. Morning a friend and vows revenge. I feel lonely today. I lost Jib Jib this morning. He fell during the battle at the Elder Council Chambers. He thought he could kill the Arbiter and help the Ungoy's place in the Covenant, but one of the Spartans killed him. I will avenge him. I will kill the Spartans and keep their armor as a trophy. Hell yeah. I love it, man. Once again, Listen to these. They're fantastic. And then we have uh, Before the Storm. And there we're getting uh, the final Honor Guard reports. We're getting some Singhili security officer reports, and which which I love this one, an Ungoy science report. And that's from the scientific observations of Grib Yam, self-proclaimed biologist. Human scientist report log 42. Prolonged observation of the Dr. Halsey supports theories from New Alexandria that human females signal maturity by losing appendages. Hmm. If my hypothesis be correct... Soon, the Dr. Halsey will release her spores and spin a cocoon of reach meat silk. Truly, this is a very exciting time to be making science. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah, then we, you know, next on Battle of Sunayan, we have more uh, messages to Jekyll Arach, as well as the chant of the Guardian, which is really cool. You know, speak not to the Holy Guardian of Sunayan. Pray only that it remains still. Let it not stir. Let it not tear our world asunder. And uh, then we have the prayer of the guardian as well. More adventure logs from Kit Pitlimp, mm-hmm. the one and only. And uh, we wrap up the, some, the ceremonial sword logs as well. Yes, for those final proverbs of mm-hmm. it, um, which is a fantastic recording. Jumping over to Genesis, we start Forerunner records of Echoes. And these are like like... Very, very old records of foreigner builders. And this is sadly, sadly, unfortunately, we find these logs on Rest in Peace, Kit Pitlimp's corpse. No! So sadly, Kit Pitlimp, uh, if you go through them, even for being a grunt, has discovered who the Guardians are. Mm-hmm. And is like trying to discover more. So try to venture off by themselves, unfortunately died and found these forerunner logs. So yeah, so this basically starts to talk about a little bit more of the Bastion and Genesis and, and what's going on in these aspects and how these networks are connected. Yeah. And then we get over to some more Ungoy personal logs. Once again, 
great times, and the start of UNSC Intel logs. And these are talking about different Marines were sheltered at these different uh, Guardian planets mm-hmm. and, and what happened on uh, Sumarion and, and, and all these different Guardian pop-ups that have happened and finally ending with the unfortunate Kit Pitlimp's last adventure log. Mm. Sad indeed. But the next level of the breaking, we have uh, uh, more Forerunner records talking about basically uh, the Warden Eternal making a pact with this, you know, Ancilla. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to figure I don't know necessarily who's trying to or who's writing these, but it's really interesting to see like there's still some stuff going on in the background of like this record of someone just being like, what's going on here? Like, yeah, and, and, and it's really cool, too, because a lot of these access records are on first of all, hashtag fatty walkthrough are on, on little Easter eggs as well. Mm-hmm. So like with Kit, going back a little bit with Kit Pitlump to Pitlimps, excuse me. I gotta get the name correct. Rest in peace. <laughs> the final log, I love it, is I knew it. Kit Pitlimp has always been bound for destiny. I speak as one who has undergone the great journey. Now I will talk to the gods. I will be a god. I will... What is that creature? If you are a god, I worship you. Otherwise, worship me. Wait. No. No. <laughs> and on the corpse of Kit Pitlimp's... On the corpse of Kit Pitlimp, we have the Light of Ur's fuel rod cannon. So a little bit of like, ooh, what happened within that... Mm. And on our uh, next episode, talking with multiplayer, we'll get a little bit more into the weaponry mm-hmm. and, and some of those aspects and some of like the flavor text and lore behind them. But I just love those little things that jump into it, whether it's a fallen soldier or, or how you find these things and kind of what possibly happened in these like little, little mini side quests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to wrap up our Intel pieces, we finish with Guardians. Guardians has our last 10. And this is where we get a couple more Sangheili personal logs that talk about, like, remembering their squad and and, and past battles mm-hmm. um, and, and things that have happened, as well as the Forerunner record alive. And all it is is pretty much, once again, an, un- an undesignated Forerunner builder talking about the Bastion and about how if they can talk to the Monitor and, and deal with this, like, they can, they can fix this. And... Basically saying like like Bastion Bastion lives and and going on with this like mm-hmm. some stuff we're we're trying to figure out as, as it happens and we wrap up finally with you know a, a UNSC personal log from a, a crash dropship that basically says no idea what's going on here there's these slip space bubbles what is happening yeah and finally with Sangheili personal log nine seven seven which is a Covenant elite Thake show believes he has failed a test of faith there's no future for the Covenant the gods turned their back after the human woman offered the librarian's key. And Imdama took it. That was meant to test his faith, his ability to resist temptation. He failed. We all failed. This is our punishment. Mm-hmm. So kind of a very fitting last log, I guess, yeah. in, in terms of lore for especially especially the Covenant or, or what the remains of it are, especially in Umdama's case. Yes. Um, so, yeah, once again, check them out. I, I really think that 343 did well in these little side bits and... Easter eggs and things that happen mm-hmm. with it. So we didn't, you know, once again, there's so much of it out there. Check it out. Let us know the ones that you found or the ones that you think that are, are impactful. You know, like, yes. I, like I said, I love the grunt stuff mm-hmm. and I love our, you know, you know, our sad rest in peace explorer that, that we, we, we will mourn you, Kit Pitlimp. We will. But other than that, that wraps up our hashtag fatty walkthrough. <laughs> <laughs> As the name suggests, a lot of data, you know, in a, in a quick succession for you, but check them out. You know, once again, it's a fun time. 
Exactly. Get them ears a burning. Yeah, but let's wrap up this episode with the final section, cut material. What was either already in the game or was just only concept art, any ideas that they had for it. Mm -hmm. Let's start with the, the didact. This was confirmed by Brian Reed that he was going to be in the game. We also had that that concept art leak later on. And I, and I believe it was supposed to be until mm-hmm. we had rewrite after rewrite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A figure out what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, split screen, you know, it was going to be in the game, but it couldn't run the game at 60 frames per second if we had it. And I think we've even had that issue in other games. When you went mm-hmm. split screen, it drops to like 50 frames per second and like kind of messes with that. Oh, Because it just no. couldn't handle the two splits like mm-hmm. refreshing. We also had tracking and revive that would have been in Warzone, but they okay. took it out. Uh, the veto system was also cut entirely, so now maps are just randomly selected. Yep. Uh, in the game type Warzone, the only way to win would have been by destroying power cores. It would have just made the game exactly the same every time. Yes. Instead it, of having a different kind of different ending. Yeah, and, and you get a strategy and do it perfectly the same every time essentially uh they also had a spartan ability called vault which was essentially just a clamber variation that was if if you're sprinting you can just like auto go over stuff yep that's exactly what it was Mm -hmm. uh you also had double jump that was cut and finally a flinch system was cut from this uh from the multiplayer okay good (laughs) definitely (laughs) happy with those um you know overall i think it was an aspect Mm -hmm. um we're gonna leave our our full quote-unquote reviews until the the total end of this ep- of two episodes yeah but i think we'll kind of just give you a quick wrap up now of of what we've covered thus far mm-hmm. and just our impact into it going into our pretty much multiplayer episode episode two yes. of this of this two-part series jesse as always you want me to start it off yes Sounds good. start it off <laughs> <laughs> um so yes so once again I, i'll reiterate over what we've covered marketing beautiful beautiful marketing misguided but beautiful beautiful marketing for a different product yes if it was just like they're like this isn't lore this is just cool stuff beautiful amazing Mm -hmm. things that have happened i i love every aspect of it and i think it was a cop-out to say oh no 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 that wasn't like a a trailer that was just to give you more things and it's like no what's to give us more things is like what's now it's like master chief's like zoom into his helmet that's Mm -hmm. obviously not the trailer for the game this was looking like a trailer for the game. Yeah, he said it was a franchise trailer. No one releases franchise trailers. What? Yeah. Whatever. I digress. Either way. So I, I think that it hit the nail on the head with that one. But what I think they did nail the head on was um, just how beautiful the game was. I mm-hmm. think the artists and renderers and the devs that put all that together did an excellent job. Gunplay feels so good. It feels, yes. It feels modern, but not in a way that... In my opinion, detracts from Halo. It still feels Halo with the weaponry that's there mm-hmm. and fire rates and things like that. I, I think there are a little too many variants when it comes to it at some point, but I think more is better in this case instead yeah. of having just like 10 weapons or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah. overall, I, th- I think it's good. I think the campaign, a little lackluster if you didn't read anything. Like I know you nor I were really that hardcore that we read everything up to that point or watched everything yeah. up to that point. Uh-huh. So it was a very, very confusing game. Mm-hmm. Even just trying to like 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 take four and five just as their own games together. I'm like, how do these connect? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very loose. Mm-hmm. And I mean, really, I think the biggest takeaway that I got from the research for part one was that the rewrites. You know, before it was always like, I think there were rewrites. I think there were rewrites. You know, we talked to a few people that we know Again, this is I heard from he said, she said, I heard this from someone who heard this from this. But people within the Halo community who are really saying, like, 
I've talked with some 343 Industries people. This is what they told me. Yeah. Like, it's it's been all but confirmed Halo 5 was originally going to be, you know, just Halo Guardians or whatever. It was going to be a spinoff game mm-hmm. for Locke, and it eventually got integrated into a mainline game. Probably, in my opinion, was because they needed a mainline game as a selling point for the Xbox One. Yes. I really think so. If you have, essentially, you have MCC... Spartan Assault and now another spin-off Halo game. People probably wouldn't have been too terribly thrilled about that. No, and and Halo is the Xbox seller. Yes, it, it really is. I mean, it, it's it's pretty much the mascot of of Xbox. It's mm-hmm. it's been that for years and years and years. So it's like we need something to push that. And so you know, I I, I get what they're trying to do, and you know, if you can always say if they had more time, if they you know could look back on it, what would they do? But it is what it is that with with what we got. Like I said, overall, the gameplay aspect of it I think was fun. I think it's just the story and the campaign, which is what I usually play them for, was very lackluster. Absolutely. But if you're comparing multiplayer from 4 and 5, it's night and day. Absolutely. But we'll dive more into that into the next episode. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was part one of Halo 5 and our coverage of the early stages of development, later stages, the beta about the game itself, along with hashtag detailed walkthrough and hashtag fatty walkthrough. Oh, yes. And along with some cut material. And research was done by Jesse Reiners and Evan Barr. Shout out to Evan. He did a tremendous amount of work on this episode. I cannot thank him enough for the awesome work that he did. And thank you all again for listening. This wouldn't be possible without our patrons. So we have a Patreon, as you guys hear at the end of this episode every time, that we've got some really cool goodies for you with bonus episodes, extra aspects, you know, loot, if you want to call it that, some cool loot, exclusive game nights, chats with us, exclusive videos, things like that. You can always sign up at our Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight. And as always, want to thank those who do support us. And with that, we have Charles Zitter, Tactics, Skyjack, Francis, Harvey Chong, Brandon Reshtar, Angry Canadian, ZZ Slipaway, Grant Dillon, Duststorm, Mr. Choff, Cowan Fong Feliciano, Dragonfire, James Gervasi, Jonas, DGamer1298, Alejandro Yarmio, Dilfix, Quantum Easy, that LL Gamer Guy, Jamie Sneed, McCray Austin, Mega, Thomas Goulding, Nick Hyman, Tuna0317, Brandon Christian, Richard Scanlon, Let Me Be Frank, McChief, Welsh, Big Papa Semichki, Grant ODST, and Loki, 2014. Yep. Thank you all for your amazing support thus far. And if you are interested in joining our Patreon, you can find the link to the Patreon in the description of this episode, as well as, you know, uh, on our social Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you have any questions, please message us on any of those platforms and we'll be happy to answer them. As well as join our Discord. If you haven't already, I'm seeing it pop up again and again. We got some more members coming in, which I really mm-hmm. appreciate. Discussions there. Um, that's really where you'll see us most of the time. And yes. where if you really have a question or want to join the community and just chat about stuff or, you know, some of the random channels we have, like food or, or Jesse has a, a blasphemous monster channel. So just fun <laughs> things like that. We also have a great time. So if, if you want to join a fun community, hit us up there, either hit one of us up or check the description. We have a link there all the time. Yes. And be sure to check us out on either iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, anything like that. If you want to, you know, go on iTunes, leave us a starred review and a written review. That would be awesome. It'll Mm -hmm. help us rank in the long run. But as I had said, that was our coverage of Halo 5 Part 1. It was a monster of research, but it was just, it, it was a lot of work to do and really 
it's been one of our most asked for episodes for a while, so I'm glad we finally started being able to unpack all this for you. Mm-hmm. With that, I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. Thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. <laughs>